Hello, everybody. It's Ben Glebe. The show's starting in a few seconds. I promise. Why, why are you so angry? It's going to start in a second. But I just wanted to say a couple. Okay. I'm just going to say them and assume you guys are cool with it because I felt this weird vibe at the beginning. But anyway, um, just some dates you should be aware of. Tonight, I'm on Chelsea Lately on the E Network, uh, February 29th, 11 p.m. and repeating sporadically. I will be at Comedy Juice Hollywood, March 14th, Ice House Pasadena, March 20, March 22nd, Irvine Improv, March 27th, then Indianapolis at Morty's Comedy Club on March 29th through 31st. Go to benglebe.com, then click calendar for full details. I promised it was going to be quick, and now the show. Stephen Hawking Big Sex Club. Santorum says separation of church and state makes him want to throw up. Miley Cyrus gets death threats. Vladimir Putin seduces virgins. Google to sell Terminator glasses. Scientists do not break the speed of light. Antonio Banderas comes to life. And my guest Ben Savage and I talk Boy Meets World, fame, rumors, and debate the nature of existence. All during the... Last week on Earth with Bentley. We will not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my god, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. Did you guys know that I'm like the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no five. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. What's that? Oh, right now? Right now? The show's already started. The show's already started already right now? Oh, oh, that's great. I'm just, I'm all right. Can just hold on to one second. I'm just, I'm quickly twittering. I'm just twittering for one second. Sorry, I'm sorry if this is rude. I know I'm the host of my own show and I'm being rude to myself, but I am in a zone right now. I feel like where I have to get this Twitter out. This tweet's inside me, and it needs to release itself like a bird. That's why Twitter's logo is a bird because there's a need inside of us. That longs to escape and it also yearns. You can't ever separate the words yearns and longs. Same meaning kind of or at least used in the same, you know, romantic novel context. So when people try to say, which one do you prefer? I don't have a choice. I like them both. Brought to you this week by cats. We're aloof assholes. Most people in the world are allergic to us. But guess what? We don't even like the old ladies that give us homes. We're dicks. But having one of us is like owning a shrunken tiger. So deal with having a box of our waste in your living space. Cats. These slogans are getting longer. I don't know why. Cats put together large sum of funds though to sponsor today's episode, so I have to read the copy. So I will. I will read the copy. We're also brought to you this week by Antonio Banderas. If you are sitting around making love to Melanie Griffiths, and you know this case, 
Follow Seasonal Allergies. You got to ride in Snakes. For which I am the voice of. And also Puss and Boots. And also I am the voice of Soap. Yes. Rub me all over your body. I am a bar of soap. That sounds like Antonio Banderas. Come here, Melanie Griffiths, with your naked body. It's time for me to get some of that milk money. That's one of her films. I am the beat. Okay? My guest today on Last Week on Earth, I'm very excited about this. Ben Savage is here. Ben Savage is an acclaimed actor. He is a a star of, of stage, screen, both silver and little. Uh, child star also. So that's an interesting life experience I want to discuss. You know him probably best from the television show Boy Meets World. He was the star of that show, played Corey Matthews. You better believe it. Yeah, Corey Matthews is here. Okay? In my house, in my apartment. Um, sitting next to me on the couch right now, not allowed to talk for another 10 minutes probably. That's what I do to celebrities. They come over and I'm like, shut up for a while. Let me do some of the talking. Then we'll bring you in. And I'm surprised at how patient they are with it because you'd think they'd be all into themselves. Like my minutes are worth more, but that's not often how they are. And I say this now just to increase the patience of my guests. They say it every time. Um, but he's done a lot of acting work since Boy Meets World. He's been all, on all, all over television dramas. I'd like to talk to him. So we're going to, uh, my YouTube channel once again is up again, youtube.com slash bglieb, B-G-L-E-I-B. Uh, got some cool videos up there and they're cool. They're cool as cucumbers and plums. They're cool as plums. Why did that never catch on? Aren't plums, I feel like plums retain coolness. You ever picked up a plum and it's warm? Maybe in your mom's knapsack at the beach. On the way back from the beach when you keep like, Mom, I don't want the plum. I got it. And she has a couple warm plums left. That's the only instance you've ever had a warm plum that's not been cooked into a kugel purposefully to be warm. Kugel's like a Jewish, whatever thing. It doesn't matter. I'll be on Chelsea lately, tonight, February 29th. I'll also be uh, live on NPR here in Southern California, 89.3 FM, or globally at kpcc.org tonight. The 29th of February with Greg Proops and Alonzo Bowden live on Pat Morrison's Comedy Congress. 7.40 p.m. for some reason until 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Live and replayed Friday from 1.40 to 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time of America's Pacific. We own the waters. We'll also be on Comedy Juice March 14th. The Hollywood Improv. Ice House Pasadena March 22nd. And then I'm coming to Indianapolis at Morty's the 29th through 31st. Remind yourself of these dates. Go to bengleave.com. Buy tickets at laughstub.com. Can I throw more information at you faster? I, met, I think there's anybody sitting there with a pen frantically. Slow down. I got the Indianapolis dates, but where, when were you going to be in Pasadena? I want to see if I can, if I can book this, if I can book this straight out. Not under any illusions. A pilot's birthday wishes causes panic in the air. Passengers on a Southwest Airlines flight panicked recently after mishearing an announcement by the plane's pilot. While wishing an air traffic controller's mother a happy birthday, the pilot of a domestic flight from Baltimore to Long Island says on the loudspeaker, there's a mom on board. And everybody thought he said bomb on board. 
And there were, they were, I don't know why they all thought that. Maybe he had a cold. There's a mom on board. Here's a mom. There's a mom. It's fat. It's a large mom. It's hot. It's hot. And it's ready. It's ready to blow. It's a horny, milfy mom. It's about to blow. It's about to blow. You just want to get a blowjob in the cockpit. And all of a sudden, it's a terrorist incident. And it happens to people. Um, I think people need to relax a little bit on flights, okay? They're doing a good job. We're all complaining how in detailed the, the security is. We talked last week about the one-armed TSA man rubbing my junk for security. So we're, we're going to be okay. It's not going to be more shoe bombers and shit. Relax. Keep a diligent eye out there. Uh, they're investigating the pilot, however. Make sure he, they hire people with better BM distinction in their, in their, in their speech patterns, which is all you can dream of. I have an apology to make. And, um, Malik, it's at, on Twitter, at underscore M-A-L-3-K underscore, which nobody will ever remember. Malik, you gotta fix that. But he made a, he tweeted me this week, he said, big fan of your show, but I think you should know that not all Muslims and Arabs, not all Muslims are Arabs and vice versa. From our show last week. And, um, listen back to the clip. I was kind of doing a voice making fun of stupid people, but still I'll take it on the chin because, um, it's worth explaining, and I was not 100% clear on it in my own head. So let's just make it clear to our listeners. Muslims are individuals who embrace the religion of Islam. They're part of a religious sect. Arabs, on the other hand, are individuals that live or own land in Arabian or Arab regions of the world. So they're an internationally known nationality, sort of. They speak Arabic, whereas Muslims speak any language. Um, you know? So there's that. And um, I'd like to also apologize for confusing the terms taco and Mexican restaurant. Because those are not the same. They can often be found in the same place. But they're not the same thing. Tacos are tastier than restaurants. But restaurants are where tastiness occurs. So I'm glad we corrected both of those. Apologies for the future. Um, speaking of the Muslim world, it is worth bringing up a large news story this week. The burning of the Quran at Bagram Air Force Base in Afghanistan, at Bagram, our, not Air Force Base, our, our base there in Afghanistan, and um, the outrage that has followed. Qurans were burned this week. Um, not, I don't know, were they intentional? I don't know what's in a man's heart. But um, our security forces were disposing a lot of Islamic materials. Um, just a big pile, I guess, of religious materials included some Qurans, which... And they were burning them because I guess that's an efficient way when you don't have a lot of refuse space to get rid of things. I don't think it was necessarily an anti-Muslim behavior, but granted, that's their holy book. They take it very serious. They don't want the shit burned. Understandable. So there's outrage. So I think at this point, we really need to finally start not being such blind dicks when it comes to other people's sensitivities. When we're invading countries, it's a real precarious uh, on-the-fence welcoming of us being there are we trying to bring them freedom or are we invading them and occupying them let's not also blatantly disregard all their laws even if you don't like the people because then they want to kill you and they want to get revenge on you and then there's a blowback and there's more terrorist attacks so just for self-preservation purposes be nice to their traditions now if i can say for a moment to the muslim world um nobody is in favor of burning your holy book that sucks Nobody would want that for their holy book. But I also think we need to get a little uh, more tolerant of 
free speech actions. It's it's a book. What if they burnt burnt down the printing press that made the books? Would that be cause to murder people? Twenty people have died over this, or these protests and rallies and fights outside of the base in Afghanistan. Um, and at President Hamid Karzai's castle or palace or pile of bricks we, he's got where he has a little flag in a pile of dirt in front. He calls his spot in Afghanistan because, you know, it's not fancy over there. But we really need to stop flipping out, I think, about is your religion the paper it's printed on or is it about the ideas that live past any strife? I just feel like it's stronger belief for the religion itself to say our ideas can't be defeated by you burning a book. We'll, we'll, we'll print another, you know? Uh, and then the Republicans jumped all over Obama this week for apologizing for that. You got to apologize because he doesn't want his job is to keep us safe. And when you piss people off and do the most offensive thing in the world to them, they will want to kill you. So the Republicans literally are saying Obama should let people kill us. He should allow more people to be super pissed and want to kill us. And him wanting to stop that is rude and weak, which it's not. It's the opposite, in my opinion. Um, and it's, it's going to get lighter in a moment. We're going to bring Ben Savage on. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll still talk a little politics, but we'll mostly talk about life and our adventures of it. But it's been a lot, some intense news. And I, and we talked about it last week also, but an attack in Iran might be imminent. Israel, it looks like, might be poising themselves, posing themselves, poising to attack Iran. And they just announced today or yesterday, by the time you hear this, that they're not going to tell the U.S. in advance of an attack. And they say it's because then the U.S. won't be blamed for being complicit in it and therefore kind of responsible for it, which is, I mean, good looking out. But we're going to be on the hook anyway. We're going to have to get your back immediately. You're pretty much our number one ally in a part of the world that's very intense and where we need allies very badly. And um, Iran is already pledging to retaliate. They're saying, we're going to get you right back. And Iran now has over 70 nuclear facilities. And they're saying Iran has to be stopped by summer when they're estimating that all their facilities are going to start moving underground. And then you can't bomb them as easily because you can't see them. So all I'm saying is if I were working at an Iranian nuclear facility, and this is just a piece of advice to you, if you're listening now, in an Iranian nuclear facility, in your iPod while developing Iranian rogue nukes, call in sick tomorrow. Or the next couple of days, start active. Get on Craigslist. Find other employee. Get yourself another job. Try a yogurt shop. Try a Mediterranean-style, Greek-style yogurt shop. There's probably hookah shops hiring. There's probably law firms in Iran. Do something else because you're going to get bombed. If I was working in a place, I don't care how great the benefits are. If it's like, we have great benefits here at this um Place is going to be great, and uh, for full dental, you might get bombed, and uh, have a great day. Good luck uh, developing our nukes. That's, you know, it's a loose accent, but I think it's in the general region, okay? I've spent some time in the Middle East, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how it uh, all goes down. To be continued. To be continued. I think it's time because there was so much heaviness. I'd like to bring us to an exciting, exciting moment here in the history of last week on this earth. My guest, 
My guest, um, you know him, you love him. From television's Boy Meets World, a staple of ABC's TGIF lineup in the 80s and 90s. You've seen him more recently in episodes of shows like Still Standing, Party of Five, Bones, Chuck, Without a Trace. Received awards for his theater acting, was the recipient of the much sought after and lifelong dream of mine, Nickelodeon Kids Choice Award. Um, please welcome to Last Week on Earth, Ben Savage. Hello. <laughs> What's up, man? Is that better? That's a lot <clears throat> better, yeah. Hi there. How are you, Ben? I'm doing well. How are you? Really good, Ben. <laughs> so, you were talking about heavy stuff, and then you said you needed something lighter. Mm-hmm. So, I'm the light. You're light. I'm not heavy. No, have you been dieting? I have not, actually. So, it's just natural. <laughs> this svelte appearance. Well, I don't eat that well. <laughs> um... How are you? I'm good, man. How's your last week been? <sighs> My last week's been pretty interesting. Why? Well, um, just the usual LA lifestyle, you know? It's so wild. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's hard to keep up, Ben. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of hard partying nights. A lot of, a lot of supermodel slash hookers. What's it been? Uh, it's been that. Exactly that. And a, a lot of, uh, game nights. A lot of game nights. Yeah. Uh, a lot of TV watching and a lot of, Casual dinners with friends. Interesting. But intermixed with that are the models and the clubs and, right. you know, all the crazy Hollywood lifestyle. So you, and then how, what's, what's the ratio you think? Um, you mean in terms of crazy Hollywood lifestyle versus, versus game nights and dinners with friends casually? Um, I'd say, I'd say a good 40, 60. 40, 60. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Cause I was, I was thinking you were going to say like 99 to 0.1. The in in favor of the chill nights, the chill nights get the ninety nine. Well, I'm just starting to think maybe you were fronting for a second because you were, you know, this is Hollywood and you know we're overlooking the Kodak Theater and I know and it's exciting. You want to be flashy, but I feel like maybe you're more of a casual guy. You know, I I, I think I'm a little bit of both. You are a little bit of both. I think depending on the night, I, I'd say early in the week I start out kind of casual. Mm-hmm. I'm very calm and relaxed and sedated. Yeah, and you know. By Tuesday or Wednesday, which is <laughs> not exactly <laughs> midweek, you know, I start to get that itch. Sure. And uh, the Hollywood guy comes out. Do, 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 exactly. Do, 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 do. You just get pumped. Yeah, that's basically how my week is. And it do, just escalates. Do, do, do. It's just like, you it know. It builds like, like a slow techno build. Like a slow techno build. Right. And then by the, you know. That right, that right there. What was day of the week is that? That was Thursday. That's Thursday. Yeah. So there's still room to grow. But then we do like. Yeah. Okay. Now we're on like Friday afternoon. Oh my God. You got a lot of stamina. I thank you. You're welcome. I've heard that before. Well, yeah. Speaking of, I've heard all kinds of rumors about you, Ben. I've wow. heard rumors, man. I've heard that you used to date Kristen Cavallari. Is that true? Um, that, that's, that, she's a, she's a good friend. There was like a nine minute pause in there. <laughs> she's a very good friend. Very good friend. I mean, she's, she's, she's currently with child. I know this. So Are you responsible? I'm, <laughs> I'm not responsible. I know it's there's supposed a, to be Jay a, Cutler. There's a quarterback in Chicago who's definitely responsible for that one. Yeah. Okay. So, so but in the past, you guys were an item for a while and then it became friends. Wait, we've been. We've been f- f- good friends for, for a long time. I'm not even trying to be 
<laughs> I know it sounds like I'm trying to be kind of like tricky and yeah, you know, I I'm not. I really I'm. We're good friends. We're okay. good friends. We, okay. we we've hung out a lot. Sure, That's we've cool. had some fun wild party L.A. nights together. Sure, you have. Right. I'm not trying to be cryptic because I think she's very hot. I think she's one of the hottest girls. She's. I saw. Her, she's, I've seen her at some auditions in in person. Yeah, she's gorgeous. And well, very she's friendly one of those, looking. She's one of those girls that looks cute regardless. Like mm-hmm. wakes up in the morning, looks cute. You know. But then gets dressed to the nines and looks cute. Yeah, she's like she's like an Avril Lavigne or a Melissa McCarthy, exactly, or a Joan Rivers. You oh know, yeah, just natural beauty. Good, just, I think. Well, she's just such a natural look. You know, she just wakes up in the morning and she's just got that gorgeous mm-hmm. glow. Mm-hmm. Her um, when she puts it on, it's gorgeous. Louis Anderson. Oh, Louis like Anderson. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Rolling around and pudding like George Burns had that, you know, that gift. Me, it takes me 16 hours to get ready in the morning. 16 hours. And I put all the club gear on. And I, club gear. This is just to go to the store. Oh, really? And I barely, just barely look okay. But some people really, they just roll out of bed in the morning and they're Kristen Cavallari. It's interesting. Especially if they are her. Right. That makes it more likely. I'm just Ben when I wake up in the morning. Right. Me too. Are you Bennett or Benjamin? You and I are just average Bens. I'm not Bennett, and I, your full name is Bennett, right? It is. Because no one, no one's name's Bennett. You, are well, you, you asked as though that was like a 50-50 likelihood. I'll tell you there's a story behind that. Yeah. It's not a long one. Is there any bigger pet peeve in life than when someone goes, <laughs> I have to tell you this story, and then in your head you're thinking, oh boy, shit, now I have to sit here and pretend it's, like I'm interested. It's going to be a while. <sighs> but this is a podcast. It's like the perfect place for that. It's really not a long story. There's a haven. Tell us. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. The story Closer is the better, you know. Um my mom didn't want people calling me Benji, like the dog. So she named instead of Benjamin, because people shortened it to Benji, right. she named me Bennett. So people now shorten it to Bonnet. Well, no, the irony is they call me Benji anyway. Oh. I get very I get very angry. Interesting. You don't like being called Benji. My last name starts with a G, so I really get called Benji. Well, that works. I just I, my name's not Benji. It's like someone calling you Dave. Would that would that I be would, frustrating? I'd be fine with it. I mean, it depends on if they're saying it angrily or they're saying it in a friendly tone of voice. No, it's friendly. Hey, Dave, come on over. I'd be like, all right, I'm right there. Yeah, I guess at this point, friends, you know, I'd take any, you know, yeah, you call me Phyllis. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking to get out there. Two pet peeves are when someone goes, "Did I ever tell you about the time?" Dot dot dot. <laughs> oh yeah. And you just sit there and go. No. <laughs> and the other one is, I have to tell you this story. Right. I also don't like when people say they ever tell you about the story and you know you've kind of heard it, but you really remember no details and your integrity tells you like, you have to tell them like, yeah, I kind of remember, but what is it again? And you, right. you're like, you don't even convey false energy. You're like, what is it again? I know I should say it. Right. What is it? Right. So to answer your question, my, my name is just Ben. Just Ben. Just Ben, straight up. That way nobody would ever call me nothing but Ben if I didn't want them to. But you get the Benji anyway. That's true. But it's because of my last name. Right. You ever get Ben S? You ever get BS? You ever get Ben's? I got them all. Well, my initials are BS. Mm-hmm. So I got BS because people thought that was funny growing up. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> because of bullshit. That's good, oh, man. Thank you. And uh my middle initial is J. So I was either oh. B. So I'm, B- I'm BJS. Or just BJs. Or BJ's. It looks like BJ's is your initials. <laughs> initials. That's great. Initials. Which living in West Hollywood probably isn't that 
It's not ideal. It's not a good code name. Mine's BG, which is also popular in West Hollywood because the BGs are big. What are BGs? The, the BGs. Oh, That's the group. 70s Barry group. Gibb. Yeah, Barry Gibb. Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow's that too? No. What's it? It's just Barry Gibb. Not Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow's always been solo. Always? I don't think he, he never like was the front man of the Manilows or anything. Man are lonely. Well, either way. Okay, so you're, I'm the BJ, I'm the yeah. king of the BJs. Well, let me get back if I can to more rumors. Go. Okay. Demi Lovato, do you date her? Another very good friend. Okay. This can't, this can't just be a default answer. What do you think about Syria? Great friend. <laughs> They're doing great. And we're going to talk about topics, but I want to get to know your um, life first. Demi's a friend. She's a, we, she's great. She's a sweet girl. Hmm. There's a, have you ever, okay, okay, is there anybody famous you've dated that you have talked about publicly? Did you date Daniel Fischel? Did you date Topanga? Because that was what I understood. You know, I've been asked that question my, mm-hmm. most of my adult life. Yeah. But, you know, when you, you grow up with somebody. Yeah. And you know them since the time that they were 11 mm-hmm. and you were 13. Yeah. That as you age together, by the time they're 60, you're such a, it's so much more of an incestuous brother-sister relationship. Right. I don't mean incestuous in the d- dirty way. It's just, you're so close. You mean in like a really clean way. Right. Clean incest. So. Family incest. To date someone that is like your sister is just, uh-huh. it, it was, it was my, we were very, very So close. you never dated? But I, why does her Wikipedia page say that you guys dated? Her Wikipedia page wouldn't lie. Wouldn't it? <laughs> I don't know who edits her Wikipedia page. Well, anybody can, I suppose. But so you're saying it's not true. It's interesting. It ain't me. Interesting. Very interesting. Because I actually interviewed Danielle Fischel a few years back. Boy, did things just get real. Things just got real. Are you going to play me some clip? Yeah, I'm going to play a clip. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Are you going to call me out? Oh, shit. No, no, no. I've never called you out. But I have a clip about, I asked her specifically uh, the age she was when she lost her virginity. This is me asking Danielle Fischel. And Tatiana Lee from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and the Shermanator, um, whose name I don't remember right now. Shermanator. This is just Shermanator. Um, and I asked them. We're doing a purity test. So we're drinking alcohol. My, the old set of the Glebe Show for National Lampoon. And here's that clip. How old were you when you first had sex? That's the question that we have to drink to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. I'll drink. Were you younger than eighteen? No. Good, good for all of us. The message at home is wait because it's special. Dustin, most people. There it is. There it is. Uh, so she claims she had not had sex uh, before age eighteen. Your jaw dropped. You think that's not true? You think it is true? <laughs> we can move on if this makes you very uncomfortable. No, all I can say I, is, um, I, I don't. I never got into the details of her. Sure. Intimate love life. But I, I, if that's when she says she did it, then that's. Are you guys still friends? Uh, we, we talk once in a while. Yes. Where I, 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 she lives a little, she lives, I think, in Manhattan Beach. Oh, cool. Which anyone who's listening who doesn't live in LA is like a different country. Right. Yeah. That's pretty far. I don't leave West Hollywood. <laughs> um, but, uh, if that's when she says she has it, I, I can't, I can't call her a liar. Fair enough. Or can I? No, I really can't. Can you say something horrible about somebody famous right now? Just um, off the cuff. Just yes. Me. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, who, who? Give me who, like give me Nick a Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. Just talk shit about him. Nick Nolte scares me. Right. This is maybe a bad choice. But but I think he's very talented. I really do. I think he's like one of those no, he's crazy actor. actors who just, yeah. you can just see the acting like 
just it's Slums just, of Beverly Hills. I'm sure was like real cat food. He was eating out of the garbage can. I believe sure. that Richard Dreyfuss. That was a great movie. I immediately almost did a horrible Richard Dreyfuss impression. But I'm not no, I want to go back to your Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. What I always find interesting about him is his accent seems to get thicker the longer <laughs> he's in Los Angeles. <laughs> I find that interesting about a lot of certain actors who have gotten famous due to yeah. their accents or their ethnicity. The longer they're in Los Angeles, driving around Sunset and Ventura Boulevard, <laughs> the thicker their accent gets. Well, that's the way he can get, he keeps people giving him action roles. He's like, sure. I can't even speak. <laughs> Gang Lynch. The thing is, he's been here longer than I've been alive and like, like hanging around in West Hollywood. Yeah. So, I mean, I, does the accent not lose its luster over time? It's really it's, weird. But he's, it's getting thicker. It's getting much thicker. I mean, you're driving around sunset and, uh, I guess you pick up a, a Cuban accent. Is that <laughs> from what I understand? Melanie Griffith and Antonio Maderas have not had a conversation in 14 years. Are you being serious? No. Right. But I mean, imagine that. Can you imagine like, what? I are they still together? Oh, yeah. I mean, she... They were just strutting on the Oscar red carpet together. Oh, right. I should have... I knew that. They were the first ones to talk to Ryan Seacrest after... So we'll tangent into the story and we'll come right back to your life. Go ahead. The Oscars. Do you watch them? Yes. We all watch them. Yes. The planet watches them. Firstly, what do you think about Sasha Baron Cohen dumping Kim Jong-il's ashes on Ryan Seacrest? What were your initial thoughts? Inappropriate. Really? You didn't think it was cool? No, I thought it was stupid. Yeah, except for the fact that Sasha Baron Cohen is known for that kind of shit, and... That's why the Academy didn't want him walking on the carpet. True. But then they took it back and said, okay, we'd love to have you, and they wanted the ratings and the publicity, so they said yes. And then Seacrest is like teasing for commercial break, we'll be right back with Sasha Baron Cohen. And it's like, part of me, (laughs) yes, it's the class of the red carpet, and I was a little bit taken aback, but part of me was like, he's a shock comedian, and Seacrest is now much more famous for it. E's ratings are bigger for it. Oscars ratings are bigger for it. Well, I His do think he do handled well. it very well. I think Seacrest handled it very well. He did handle it pretty good. Because uh, I he peed th- himself. No one knows that. I peed myself watching. Mm-hmm. We all did. But I do that anyway. It's yeah. just an issue. You've had a, broad, a bladder problem for years. It's a genetic thing I don't like to talk about. But sure. uh, I actually thought Seacrest handled it well. But I, I don't know. I'm pouring ashes. Just It's not my kind of humor. No, I agree with you. Like, but, make me laugh. Uh, no, I agree with that. True. Although his line when he was walking off was, was pretty funny. He goes, now when someone asks what you are wearing, you can say Kim Jong-il. I, I saw that. Yeah, it's not a bad line. I agree with you. It could be, could have been funnier. Cause he's a very funny guy, Sasha Baron I think. He's very funny. I mean, I love his movies and I, yeah. I think Borat was great and Bruno was genius. I, th- I think. Bruno you like Bruno was, better. I did. You're in the minority on that. I know. Much like I, Bruno himself. Well, it depends where you live. That's true. In West Hollywood, the coming out where I live. Not that I am, but I, I just, when I, when I chose to take up a residence in Los Angeles, I chose to live in that neighborhood just because that was, it's kind of in the middle of all the action. It's a nice, clean, safe neighborhood. And and by in the middle of all the action, you mean in the middle of all the gay sex action. No, I mean, you're right. Hot male action. (laughs) Well, let's, let's go back to what you just said. Safe for a woman. True. For a man, you are. Oh, that's true. You might be, I, I, you might be red meat. That's like the best way you go running in the morning. It's like you have to keep running. Well, but let's say this. It's not so bad for the ego. Sure. I mean, who cares whether, sure. who's giving you the compliment? If someone's we, hooting and true. hollering at you. We'd both get hit on more in West Hollywood. I should move to West Hollywood. 
Well, in a way, it gives you a nice appreciation for what women have to go through because mm-hmm. when 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 you're out in West Hollywood, you you know, women have to deal with that in other parts of the country and other parts of the city all the time. Sure, They're getting hit on, getting their ass grabbed, getting hooted and hollered. Have at. You had your ass grabbed in West Hollywood? I have. Wow, in the lettuce section at Pavilions. <laughs> That's apparently a big meeting space. <laughs> and then the guy said to you, "Let us go somewhere else." And they're all Antonio Banderas. <laughs> Every gay man, he's... Do you want tomatoes or sushi? Listen to me, Corey Matthews. <laughs> Would you like to go? Let us get friendly. <laughs> they like um younger-looking gentlemen. Interesting. And not that I'm... Probably especially who had their own television shows, and they probably grew up wanting, maybe even. That's a weird way. I never thought the conversation would get to, what gay guys do you think were fantasizing about you? I never thought it would get there. But it's, I'm sure it's happened, obviously. I don't know how to respond to that. No, I don't want you to respond to it. But I'm just – back to the point of the story yes. is that – it. I mean, as you know, West Hollywood's in the – I mean, that's where all the, the center of the city. So mm-hmm. it just so happens that I live in a very friendly street. So has it changed your approach to women? Has it well, I don't you think, towards them? I don't think I was ever the kind of guy that would hoot and holler at a right. woman or Strong grab point. a woman. Strong point. But – it it's it's it gives you a nice appreciation of what women probably have to deal with when they go out and about. Yeah, very true. So I've become much more of a sensitive man, a ladies' so, man. And so now, when a girl gets treated rudely by a guy, you can turn to her and be like, "Isn't it the worst?" Exactly. I'm like, "Ugh, that just happened to me too." I get <laughs> it, sister. I mean, guys are just too much. Are men scum or are they scum? <laughs> and she's like, what? Get away from me. I'm like, no, trust me. I, I have to deal with it too. <laughs> anyway, I want to go back to my place. Yeah. Let's, Let's go bond and have this. a drink. <laughs> At my house. <laughs> In my domicile. Let's go watch an Antonio Banderas movie. I will jump across the living room with two guns in each hand. That's four guns. One per finger separated with a couple buffer fingers. Correct. All right? Yes. You need to. You need to because the guns are heavy. Yes. Um. So let's go back for a moment before we get back to the Oscars. We're going to hip-hop around. Hip-hop around? Hopscotch. Yeah. Or we're going to hip-hop hooray. Hip-hop hooray. Hey, ho. Hey, hey. Oh. Stop. Hammer time. <laughs> you want to collaborate and listen. Yeah. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice, Ice is back, back with a brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Flow like a harpoon. Daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn out the lights. And I'll glow? To the extreme, I'll rock a mic like a vandal. Light up a stage, you watch it jump like a candle. Dance. I wish a stink of that booms. I kill in your brain like a poisonous mushroom. Deadly. When I play my dope medley. Felony. Anything. Less less felony. Something about bacon on the hot on the street treats. He was a real poet. <laughs> For that one song ever. Genius. They tried to replicate with that other song. Uh, what was the other one called? No one even knows anymore. Anyway, so back to rumors. This is a big rumor I'd like to clear up. Were you killed in 2006 in yes. a, you were? Yes. In a drunk driving accident? Yes. Oh my God. I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm actually not sitting here. What? I'm simply a figment of your imagination and what? whatever you ingested earlier. This is like the end of an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yes, it is. No! <laughs> okay, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm Ghost kidding. Meets World would be a great show. Yes, it, in fact, we're in negotiations <laughs> right now. With an entity. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, You know, I heard that rumor and I... That's like a big internet rumor. It was, but it was before Twitter. It was so like now, MySpace days. 
yeah, I mean, it was, it was big and I remember getting calls and people were worried about me. Did you tell everybody yes? Actually, well, I, I think I got a lot of people out of my life that I didn't want to talk to anymore. <laughs> you just let them believe you were yeah. dead? Dead. So I would text back, dead. You picked up, it's true. <laughs> ben? I do want to go to, I'm dead. <laughs> sorry, sweetie. I can't talk. Oh my God. So sorry. XOXO. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> text me. <laughs> Let's talk on Facebook. <laughs> anyway, um, cause what is it like to be part of one of those big kind of like, well, the thing is now rumors? on Twitter, they happen every day, you know, RIP something, RIP something. So it loses its luster. Mm. I died, quote unquote. Yeah. When it was still kind of like, Kind of cool. It was a cool thing to do. It's kind of news. Now anyone can do RIP. You know, that's a hashtag on Twitter. And then totally. We could do that now when it wouldn't. Eh. Are there any kernel of truth to those things? Was, were you in an accident that people thought nothing happened? No, it said I think I died in a drunk driving accident in Ohio. Right. A, I don't drink and drive. Smart. Much. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> I never move. drink and drive. Totally. And I am not a frequent visitor to Ohio. But you've been. I, I, so the rumors are true. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, I, I, I've been to Ohio. Mm-hmm. I've flown over Ohio. Yeah, now we get it. I've flown over in a car that was careening off a bridge. With be honest, Jack Daniels you, in it. <laughs> no, I, I, I was never in an accident in Ohio. Okay, good. I'm glad I, to hear that. And I think this happened in 2006, and I wasn't in Ohio in 2006. Okay, I was actually so in Taipei for that whole year. Because you have a Taipei personality. I know. I have a huge fan base in Taipei. Do you really? Yeah, huge. Is that true? Yeah, huge. People in I the can't nation walk of Taipei. the streets of Taipei. Is that true? And here in Is America. Is like a Hasselhoff I, Germany thing? I, yeah, I, for some reason, they just really? think I'm very – he's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, Why do you think it is Taipei in particular? Is it guys or girls in Taipei? Um, it, it's, I, it's actually older. I think it's 70-plus – Women in Taipei love 70 years old and over or 70 women. No, no, 70 years old plus crowd. Are you serious? Are you uh, fucking me right now? Or are you being serious? Am I fucking you right now? <laughs> no. Are you fucking with me? Oh, I'm just saying that it may or may not be true that when I visit old age or geriatric homes in Taipei, I get mobbed. Interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call bullshit on that. I'd say you're correct. Okay. What, Are, it was a funny tangent. It was a good tangent. Is there a country though that particularly, I mean, America, you're huge. People are very excited on Twitter about this interview. I'm flattered. I'm excited. At Ben Savage on Twitter, by the way. At Ben Savage on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You're I welcome. Appreciate the shout out. Absolutely, man. Um, what is it like? What is this level of fame like? Cause you're on an iconic show. You're on a show that was on for seven or eight years. Um, people grew up watching it. What is it like? How does it change your life and is it worth it? Well, I mean, the way I grew up, I don't know any other way to have grown up. So it's, I couldn't say how it's changed my life, but I certainly know that I've led an extraordinary life. Um, which comes with a lot of wonderful, great gifts and a lot of great things and certain things you have to give up, you know? Tell us too good and too bad. Well, there's a million good. Okay. I mean, you, you're surrounded by incredible people. You, I mean, as you know, I mean, living in LA and just living mm-hmm. the LA life. Yeah. You, you know, constantly interact with just some of the most talented people in the world, uh, you know, on a, on a daily or, you know, at least weekly basis. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go to lunch somewhere and you're there. You go to someone's game, 
game night and you're that's around. how we met you and i had a game night i re- i remember and we you know you meet in, you know you're just sitting down to game night and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're oh my gosh this is this person yeah and you're at parties and you're at this and you're at clubs and you're at lounges and you're at openings and you're at this and this and movie premieres and you just i mean every day is just an incredible experience and it's i mean still you know i grew up here and i'm still humbled by the whole process but you know with that comes a lot of you know pressure and responsibility and you know, I wouldn't say there's two downsides. I mean, it's a great life. Right. But, you know, I I certainly didn't lead a normal life. I didn't have a normal upbringing. And, you know, I mean, I, I think there was always the grass is always greener aspect. Like, oh, I wish it would have been. I wonder what it would have been like to do A, B, and C. Oh, it's hell. A normal <laughs> childhood is hell. It's lonely. But I, I also knew that I grew up, you know, very privileged and very lucky. And, you know, I'm very appreciative of that. That's really cool. So, does it ever get annoying to you getting recognized out in public or? No. No, it's always appreciative. Well, I think it depends on how people approach you. So like, does it get annoying? No. I mean, that's just part of the gig, you know? Right. But also that's like, that's part of like the gig. But does it get annoying? No. I mean, I sometimes, you know, I remember when I got to college, I think it was kind of a, um, I think it was a badge of honor for certain people in fraternities to kind of like get drunk with Ben or right. start a fight with Ben or. Oh shit. <laughs> but other than that, no, I mean, people are very cool. People are usually great. So. Yeah. Cause you gave the industry up and decided to go to college. You went to Stanford. I did. And why did you decide to do that? You know, I'd been working my whole life and I had the opportunity to go to Stanford and I just figured I'd go. I thought it'd be a great experience and try and be live a, as normal of a lifestyle as I could. And, you know, so I went. And was it, do you think it was pretty normal or do you think? It was great. I think when I first got there, you know, but I, I was, you know, I, I, you know, when I was there, Chelsea Clinton was there and I was going to ask you. That's what I figured. There was Did a you lo- know Chelsea? I mean, I met her a few times, but she always had security and they always seemed to escort me away when I got close. Yeah. Good. A good friend of mine, Todd Levinson was there and they were friends for a while. And he, I think one time he told me a story, he was in her dorm room and in her room, she had on the back of the door, this like whole electronic grid yeah. thing that like she could just press any fucking thing and like it would be situation. Yeah. She was, she was well taken care of. Yeah. She offered, I, when I first got to Stanford, um, there were a couple of, uh, events that occurred and she said if you ever need any help with security just let me know and <laughs> wow i said thank you very much and you didn't sad. take her up on that i didn't need to so what was one of these events what happened people were just trying to be dicks because no i just world was there things would happen and you know people would come knock on my front door like i'd be sleeping and people would you know come to my dorm room and you know show up with like 15 people there and shit boyfriends would get jealous and and things just issues would occur but you know, it eventually settled out. It's like anything, you know, eventually you're just like, oh, okay. At first it's like, oh, Ben. And then after, you know, then you're like, oh, hi, Ben. That's the one I always get. What? The hi, Ben. So. <laughs> but do you think that got vastly better when you moved off campus? Because I'm sure that's the hard. No. Well, Stanford, I don't know if you're familiar with Stanford. You don't move off campus in Stanford. It's a very, you know, kind of roped off campus. This is very isolated. So oh, okay. you're on campus. But I joined a fraternity house. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I kind of had my bros to watch my back. What fraternity? Sigma Chi. I was doing research on yeah. you, so I knew that. Okay. And you know like those those like Who's Your Father episodes of Maury Povich? 
Do I know him? I have him all DVR. Oh, you do? Of course. Ben Savage, I'm your brother. Are you really? Yeah, man. Wow. Are we doing the shake? We are doing the handshake right now. Good to, good mm-hmm. to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too, man. Isn't that cool? I was very excited when I saw that, actually. I thought you looked familiar. Yep. Yep. Remember, brothers from another mother. I remember when I joined the fraternity, they said, you know, Savage. My nickname in college was Savagina. <laughs> Why? Because anything that you can do to make it sexual. Sure. BJ's was enough already, probably. They said, Savage, Ina. <laughs> By joining this fraternity, you're connected to a network, a nationwide network of brotherhood and friendship. Anywhere you go across this country, you'll have a friend. I, I didn't fully realize that until just now. <laughs> it is very true, man. I feel closer to you already. Don't you? Was the fraternity experience positive for you? Did you like it? It was great. I, I listen. Mine. I had a, a, such a great time. I really, I threw myself into college. I, I was. It, total nerd but i took every class that i could possibly take and i i did every you know event i could in my fraternity i didn't miss a night out and um i just really kind of wanted to without sounding too cheesy i wanted to soak up the whole experience yeah make make the best of it so i was there and i you know i did everything i could and the i mean it was great but the, the the cool thing about stanford was there and I know I sound like a spokesman for the university, but the classes, I was a poli sci major and the classes were just so interesting because they'd be taught by like, they, they teach these kind of seminars and in a normal college class, it'd be like, you know, a couple hundred kids in a, like a lecture hall, but they would have these tiny little seminars taught by like, you know, like, I, I don't know if you remember the book, This Boy's Life by Tobias Wolf, but that's right. The, the, the Tobias Wolf book. Yeah. This, this Boy's Life. But like when you get to Stanford, it's like, oh, who's teaching this class? Uh, Tobias Wolf. That's or cool. like, you know, like a a guy who helped craft the Port Huron statement written by all these like sixties radicals and you know, you just you took classes with the most incredible, like accomplished people. So it was That's really cool. It was I I got really nerd fest for a while. And so you chose political science as your major. Did you ever consider a political career? No. I mean what interested you about political science? I guess I was just I didn't want to take theater or drama and I certainly wasn't a physics or Hum bio or biology. So it was just a process of elimination, like all of us do it. Yeah, but I, I mean, I enjoyed the, I mean, I, re, I was also very intrigued by, you know, the, you know, just learning more about political processes. Right. And, because you worked in Washington, D.C. too. You were an intern for Alan Spector. I, I was and I, I did. Yes. What was he like? Is he a nice dude? And I promise for listeners, we're going to get in a minute to stories, but this is very fascinating. We're going to finish the Oscar coverage in a second. He's we'll no talk longer some a senator, right? Arlen Specter, I think he is still a senator. Or maybe he's, no, he's, he's stepping down soon, but he just switched he from lost. being Republican to, oh, he did lose. He switched to being a Democrat and then he lost. Bit him in the ass. I'll just say karma. Really? <laughs> he was a dick, huh? I'll just end it with karma. But he was, I, I, the, my experience in Washington DC was wonderful. No, but you can't, but you can't just end it with karma. The guy is a retired senator. You're not going to ever need a favor from our own specter. This is part of history. It's a public figure. If he was a dick, the people have the right to know. He was, he was, he, he, he could have been friendlier. I've heard this that like a lot of senators are just really rude to their interns. Well, I don't think it was, I, he and another senator had like were part of this Senate corner of the Senate buildings and it was called like Hell's Corner, their two offices. Oh Cause like God. anytime you went in there, it was like just people would leave crying and there was a big staff turnover and there was a lot of screaming and yelling and. Did our own specter ever make you cry? No. No. I, what the, what was he, how was he going to make me cry? I don't know. Maybe you didn't to touch fax you. this properly. I don't know. <laughs> no, he didn't make me cry. It just. 
you know, you barely Was he ever saw- rude to you specifically, or did he, was he just- Do you want to know, I, I mean, one thing I learned from my experience in Washington is that yeah. these senators are like their own little kings or lords. I mean, they have a staff of 200 people each. Jesus. So, I mean, you don't think about that when you see yeah. them on TV. You're like, oh, there's a senator. Or the, you know, at least 60 or 70 people, you know, and it's, you know, two to three floor offices. And so, I mean, my, my, Damn. my contact with the senator was very limited. Sure. But I mean, the, uh, no, I mean, it was, I, I, I the, the experience was great, you know. It was just cool just walking those halls. Yeah, it was. I started I mean, that question by saying "must be cool." I was trying to say it "must have been really cool." It was cool because I was a you know that's political science major and at Stanford, and I was learning about all these people, and then I'd look up and it was like, "Hey, that's da da da." But like, I just remember I was very excited to meet John Edwards. Oh, what was that like? He was great. The cheating they, son of a bitch. I know. And then you know, but every senator, I mean, that's their job is to be schmoozers. So I mean, every real nice. He made you feel great. Couldn't have been nicer. And I, every senator I met that summer just couldn't have been nicer. Everyone was so, and it, it wasn't just, oh, he's friendly. It's like, you left going like, wow, that is a great guy. Like, I get it. I mean, they're all like. That's so fucked. It's just all the, it's, it's the cult of charm, man. It's the cult of personality right there. I mean, you see how they've gotten so far. I mean, they're real charmers and they have to be nice to everyone they meet because they don't know who's a potential voter or contributor or donor. Or, so you go up to him, senator. Hi, how are you? Where are you from? Oh, that's right. good. I mean, but it's what it didn't feel for. And I'm from Hollywood. I mean, I can smell right. That's bullshit. crazy. Like that. So they're the best actors in the world. I mean, they say Holly, Washington's Hollywood for ugly people. Right. That's but true. now there's some good looking guys out there. Yeah. I Mitt mean, Romney's a handsome fella. He's pretty handsome. He's robotic. Now that you brought up Mitt Romney, let's talk a little bit of politics before we get back to our complete Oscar coverage. With Antonio Benavides. Well, brought you by Am I talking too much? Do these do these segments no. normally go on this long? No, you're great. You're Ben. You're doing great. Thanks. <laughs> I needed that positive reinforcement. Definitely, man. Thanks. From one Ben to another, brother Thanks. to brother. Thanks, Ben G. Thanks, Ben J's. <laughs> Meet me at Pavilions Lettuce Section. <laughs> Twenty minutes. Oh, I will be there. I will be there wearing what I'm wearing now, but doing this voice. Great. <laughs> oh, it's really fun to like fuck around with the mic. I'll be honest with you. So the Republican race heating up. They're trying to figure out who is going to head up, uh, head, head off against Obama. And it looks like it's pretty much down to two now. There's still four, but it's really a race between Rick Santorum and Mitt Romney. And Mitt Romney keeps making gaff after gaff every single week. Um, we have a sound clip of one. He was, he keeps saying these things that make him seem really unrelatable to the average person. Said that some, this week something about, I know about the car industry. My wife drives multiple Cadillacs. That's not particularly, you know, relatable. He, uh, he was asked at a NASCAR event, is he a big NASCAR fan? To which he kind of very awkwardly said, like, well, not as much as some who are ardent supporters of the sport, but, uh, I have many friends who are NASCAR team owners. It's like, that's the way to get the common touches. I have millionaire friends who, who purchase drivers. And then this week he was talking in his home state. Where, um, it's down the wire right now. And if you see any updates, I would love to know who wins. If Romney or Santorum is winning Michigan, Romney's home state. And he was speaking to people he should be able to get along with the best. Same roots. And here's him trying to relate to them. I was born and raised here. I love this state. It seems right here. The trees are the right height. Uh, I like, I like 
like seeing the uh, I like seeing the lakes of the Great Lakes, but also all the little inland lakes that that adopt the, uh, uh, the the parts of Michigan. <laughs> is he a robot? Do you think? I think less is more. I think he needs to take the leg because I think he, it was nice. I like being here. I love this state. And what is the reluctance? Romney wins Michigan and Arizona. This just in. Very big. Very big, because Romney almost lost his home state. It would have looked very bad. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, he just keeps, I think he's, he's like says, Leto doing a monologue. He keeps talking under his punchline. Well, there's a lot of energy there and a lot of, it's very, you know, frenetic or it's just, it's so, yeah, I like this state. Great. End it. And Stop. it's like, I love this. And it's the trees are the right height. What kind of state? The trees are the right height. What? Cause you're a tall robot and the only ones that like match your weird programming modules. <laughs> I I would say I I if my one piece of advice as a political advisor would be yeah. less is more. I mean the guy I like the lakes, the big lakes and the smaller ones that dot the coast. So this guy's he is robotic. What if he is a robot? Think about it. Do you think he might actually that's not how humans talk. And I I realize trees have heights that are average heights <laughs> Just in in the in the in the in the, in the state average hibiscus trees Fans. I, you have to understand, this is not a a guy who grew up like you and me. I mean, this is a a son of a governor, and it's true. He's a five. He has five sons, and he went to Harvard, and he, you know, started Bain Capital, and it's not a really artistic, um, true upbringing that we're you know we're we're all about emotion and cultivating laughter and making right. people and entertainment and this guy's been the bottom line from day one i mean this guy's all about making things i mean making money and making things of work i guess so is that good for a president do we want somebody who's all bottom line oriented i mean Maybe i guess good. a combination of both would be good if you had to pick because you want someone who can communicate and relate which obama is wonderful at mm-hmm. you know he's a wonderful speaker but then i guess you also want someone who's can I don't know make the government work? <laughs> that is, those are both probably important things. Obama would be better behind you in the lettuce aisle at Whole Foods. Hello. What we're gonna do is go back to my place and let us figure it out. Is that Obama or is it Yogi Bear? You be the judge. It sounded like a little like Fat Albert. Hey. Did that sound hey, more hey. like Fed Albert? I don't really know what Fed Albert sounds like. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, that's good, Ben Savage. Hey, hey, hey. Is this Ben Savage in front of me or Fat Albert or Ben Savage's ghost? First time. You ever got, do you remember that? Yeah, it's, it's bringing back all kinds of memories. Okay. This, this is what is, I do on my first dates with girls, too. Don't do that. No, they like it. Are you dating a lot? Uh, uh, I, 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 I date. You do date. I date. Girl, girls are interesting in Los Angeles. I agree with that. I'm sure you have plenty of stories. I got some stories. For another time. For another place. So Rick Santorum this week, um, was making Mitt Romney look like the most well-spoken man in the world by comparison because he keeps going further each week on these limbs and saying absurd, crazy shit. America is based on the principle of separation of church and state. Am I right about this? It's one of our big ones. Isn't that one of our big ones? Are you asking me? Yeah. Yes. It's a huge. Although I don't think it's part of the Constitution. It is. Well, it's it's the second. It's the first. It's the Second Amendment. It's one of the first two amendments. Oh, the first amendment. They can't establish 
any law restricting right. religious practice. Right. And Santorum this week on ABC's This Week, during this last week, said to George Stephanopoulos, and I quote, I don't believe in an America where the separation of church and state are absolute. The idea that the church can have no influence or no involvement in the operation of the state is absolutely antithetical to the objectives and vision of our country. To say that people of faith have no role in the public square, you bet that makes me want to throw up. Makes him want to throw up. Um, is that taking it too far, Ben Savage? <laughs> um, I, I personally, I, I think that's a little, uh, inflammatory. Well, it is over the top. That's very over the top. And he was quoting John F. Kennedy. Or- he was responding to a John F. Kennedy speech where Kennedy, and I actually have a sample of it. Here's, a, let me just play a clip from Al Sharpton's Politics Nation, the MSNBC show, where you will hear Reverend Sharpton playing clips of some of our past presidents speaking on the topic of separation of church and state. President John F. Kennedy understood this. The Constitution is very clear in the separation of church and state, and I've been very clear and precise in my commitments to that Constitution. President Ronald Reagan understood this too. Establish no religion in this country. We command no worship. We mandate no belief, nor will we ever. Church and state are and must remain separate. The founding fathers understood it too. In 1802, Thomas Jefferson wrote that the First Amendment was, quote, building a wall of separation between church and state. And A wall of separation between church and state. Um, uh, Santorum seems to me very clearly to be a guy who just, he's just demagoguing to the right and he's just trying as hard as possible to get the the Republican base, which often is these very religious, very conservative people, just riled up. I don't think he's, think he's being genuine in what he's saying anymore. Do you think that the scrutiny these candidates are under is, just, is unfair to them? Or, or, or like you said, should these guys just shut the hell up? And um, I don't know. I mean, politically, and speaking as a political scientist... <laughs> or someone who graduated with a degree in political science. I mean, the news cycle is very intense, right? Mm-hmm. So anything these guys say at any point during the day, and nowadays, like we were talking about earlier, there's, I mean, there's a camera everywhere. There's some, something recording you at all times. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be a lot of pressure. I mean, I personally think you have to have some sort of death wish to want to even run for president. <laughs> I mean, every single thing you do, say, or have ever done you know, is turned over, examined, scrutinized, and thrown in your face. I mean, that, you know, I'm not sticking up for what he said, but I'm saying right. as just as a political candidate. Yeah. I mean, that's tough, man. That's a lot, a lot of pressure. But obviously when you're, maybe I think it's a sign of desperation that when you start trying to just grasp at straws and say very extreme things, it's not like you're slipping up. I agree. Santorum's playing to the, you know, to the, to the right. I mean, here's another clip of him that, I mean, takes it even further. He's criticizing President Obama for saying our, our children should go to college. Listen to this. President Obama once said, said he wants everybody in America to go to college. What a snob. <laughs> well, I understand why he wants you to go to college. He wants to remake you in his image. Is he out of his fucking mind? 
He wants to remake you in his own image? No, he wants you to go to college so our country makes money and doesn't fucking crumble into pieces, literally. He want, I mean, that's just the most inflammatory, insane thing. I feel like statements like that should just disqualify you. Like, why should you be allowed to manipulate people's minds to that degree? I'd have to agree. That's just bullshit. That's just so stupid. It's so damn stupid, in my opinion. We need, uh, but he's not, I mean, I mean, in, in everything that I've got, I mean, how many states has he actually won? You know, I mean, yeah. I think the media makes this more of a horse race than it actually might be. Well, he started picking off some, that's true. I mean, Ron Paul's actually, I think, in second place in delegates. I mean, I think Rick Simtorm won Iowa. That's he it. won, is that all he's won? Just Iowa? So, yeah, but he's rocking those sweater vests, man. Chad Zumach style and trying to rock it out hardcore. I don't, I don't think I can pull off the sweater vest look. It's a hard look to pull off. Can you? No, the only people I think in the world that can pull it off are Rick Santorum barely and hardcore Chad Zumach. People don't even, you might not even know who Chad Zumach is. He's the host of the Alan Cox, co-host Alan Cox morning show in Cleveland, Ohio and a comedian, very funny guy and rocks the sweater vest. He has gangster videos about it on YouTube. Those two guys. That's it. And the fraternity guys in college. That's true. They're Ivy League schools. Their grandfathers would always come and visit and, you know, they'd been, and there were all these six foot ten former football players who also went to Stanford who were also Sigma Chi's. Holding huge ceramic mugs. Yeah, like, Ben, what are you going to be? A banker? A lawyer? A doctor? Plastics, Ben. (laughs) Plastics. And I was like, oh, I'm just going back to LA to do sitcoms. (laughs) Do you think that you had no other choice in your life but becoming an actor? Because your older brother, Fred Savage, star of the Wonder Years, another iconic show. Did you was was that going to be your fate? Were you locked in? Did you were you able to see wider than that? I mean, I think I you know I I think I was went to great schools and I could have chosen anything, and I probably should have. But I you know <laughs> acting is just it's in my blood and it's just part of who I am and you know I enjoy entertaining people and making people laugh and that's just kind of me. So I don't I mean I don't know if there was any other you know route. Maybe there I don't know. Maybe you and I will both start a political operations firm. Interesting. And advise people on how to... Is it going to be called Ben and Ben or Savage and Savage? No, called BG and BJs. BG and BJs? That's going to sound like it's a 70s-themed gay porn house. Perfect. And not a political... <laughs> Who wouldn't go to us? <laughs> what do you want to win? What state? We that got you. is hilarious. Are you addicted to, to technology, would you say? Are you a technophile? I am. I. 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 I, I had a, a an incident this morning. What I, happened? What happened, man? Well, I. Someone convinced me to put a password on my phone. And oh for, yeah. And and I tried to sync up my phone with my computer this morning, and I it demanded to know the password, and I typed it in, and it wouldn't accept it. And it gives you like if you ever type a password on a phone, mm-hmm. it gives you like six or seven tries. Right. So I tried it like four times, like not thinking, and then the fifth time I was like, oh, this isn't working. So I called Verizon. I was like, oh, you know, this isn't working. They're like, well, try it again. You know, make sure you do. Okay. So I tried again. Not working. And then you get this big message on your phone. Like, warning, warning. Like, any, <laughs> like, if you, you, this is your last We're attempt. Fucking lock you up, sucker. This is your last attempt. All your phone will be wiped and all information will be deleted if you don't, you know. And I, you know, I started panicking. I, I got <laughs> nervous. I, call, I called two cell phone stores in Los Angeles. What do I do? What do I do? And they're like, you just got to do it. Type in the password. And I was like, I am typing in the <laughs> they're password. They're just giving you moral support at this point. I, it was just moral support. And like, well, you can come in here and we'll try and do it for you. You know, and it was like, it was like, it's your hands shake. I'm not kidding, Ben. I, it was like, it was like, 
It was like diffusing a bomb that was about to blow up the world. And my hands are shaking. The Parkinson's came out. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm, I, I type in the code exactly as I knew it. And I type in the code, the four digits. And I'm shaking and I push enter. And all of a sudden my phone does a huge giant flash. And it did what? Work. And it deleted every single no. piece of information on my phone. It did? Yeah. That happened to you today. Today. Your phone. Is the government following you or some shit? Because that can't be normal. If you can't remember your password, your phone disintegrates its own information. Everything. It's just, Seriously? It's like the phone literally craps everything in your information. It just, it's all gone. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I'll tell you what though. So I go, so I, so I wait a half an hour yeah. while, and I'm just watching the phone delete information. Oh no. And you just sit, you're helpless. Yeah. It's just a clear screen. Yeah. What do you do? Nothing. You cry. Mm-hmm. You laugh. Yeah. You frolic. You go lettuce shopping. You, go, <laughs> you quickly run, go for a run around West Hollywood yeah. to get some, you know, moral support. Totally do. And some ego boost. Right. But then, um, I, I got the, the phone turned back on and it, you know, it does the whole thing like you're opening a brand new phone. It gave me a welcome to, you know, Blackberry symbol but and tell all. Tell us there's a happy ending. Is there a happy ending? Well, the ha- no, there isn't. <laughs> really? It boots back up and everything's gone? Everything. But I'll tell you what was- You're like the guy in Memento. You're, you're, you're man without it. Who are you? Maybe you are Ben Savage's ghost. We don't know who you are. I died in 2006, Ben. It's, it's but possible, listen, dude. So here's what happens. There so are I, no cell phones in I, heaven. I plug my cell phone, the, the brand new white phone yeah. into my computer. And I fortunately had information saved until October 26, 2011. So I said, okay, well, that's better than having nothing. Mm-hmm. So I downloaded all that information. So now my phone so is like you wake up and your phone is in your life is right back to October 26, 2011. The last all five the t- months of your life are gone. Right. But that text message from 2000, October 26, <sighs> your whole life, the missed calls, all the text oh. messages are October 26, 2011. So it's like some sort of like Groundhog Day-esque kind of thing where you just like – just imagine your life is not – no longer in February or March. Or whenever of 2012, but you're back to October 26, 2011. Do you remember that day? That's so weird. That's so weird that you say that. But I have to get back to some more news stories from today, October 26, 2011. We got Halloween coming up. Gonna be a crazy one, everybody. We got Ben Savage here, still live in the last week on Earth Living Room Studios. Ben, how's this October treating you? It's great, Ben. Who you been texting, buddy? Some. Girl named Cheryl? No kidding, huh? Cheryl. It's good to have her in your life still, huh? That'll probably last forever. I think so. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, man. That's pretty awesome. What hey, do you get- who do you think is going to win the Oscars, huh? Oh, man, it's so far away. I haven't even seen most of the films, but I will tell you that's a perfect way to bring us back to our full Oscar coverage. So let's go right back to it. J-Lo's nipples. Did you see them? Did I? Dude, J-Lo's nipples. It's I have to tell you, we're back in real life now. We're back. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2012. Yeah. You know, everyone talked about October 26, 2012. <laughs> in Spain or wherever I am from. Um, everyone's talking about the JLo nip slip. I didn't yes. actually see. Oh. Was there actual nip slip? Okay. It was not nipple. It was areola. Oh, some areola. Come on. Dude, it was hot. It was on the Oscars and JLo comes out with this whole thing like the front of her dress was missing like there was a tornado rolled by and imprinted a perfect tornado in the middle of her chest she looks great though she looks great i was saying to my friend the other day she is a real i mean she's a lot of woman 
Yeah. I mean, no man could seems you handle to, it? No, I could handle it. No man seems to be able to handle it. And a lot have tried. Well, yeah, I think she just dumps them, doesn't she? She's dump done with them. She just dumps them at some point, but I don't know that they're, they're not like ha- being able to hang. You're saying sexually she's a dynamo. You oh, think? I'm just saying she's a, I mean, a, a, force. a woman, a force she's of nature, talented. She's smart. Mm-hmm. She's attractive. She's tough. Yeah. She dances. She sings. She writes. She composes. Yeah. I shows her nipples on the Oscars. I eat sushi. I almost had a heart attack. I eat sushi and make people laugh. You love sushi. I do. What's your favorite place or no type? Um, Believe it or not, I like octopus a lot. Shut the f up. I'm serious. I've had it like once back, and so I was like, "Oh, it's octopus. It's great. Really? Taco. It's really, really good." What do you mean taco? That's what it's called in Japanese. Taco? <laughs> Are you serious? T a k o. Yeah, no big deal. Wow. I know that. But um, <laughs> well, you you can read menus, dude. That is fancy. You are a sushi connoisseur, like your Twitter bio says. Thanks. That's awesome. My favorite is albacore, probably, or yellowtail. Taco. I like. Those are both great. But you can, I, sometimes when I go to a sushi restaurant, I like to just say to the chef, just make me whatever you want. Like I'll be like, I'll order a couple things just like that I you want. say that? And I'll say like, just have the chef like make me some crazy roll. Like whatever he's thinking of, whatever he feels like, just make something really like crazy and just like bring it like a we want a place where, where salmonella and E. coli is flying around and there's like, you're raw. Just go, go ahead. What other cook would you ever, the guys that are cooking the shit you wouldn't say that to? When in Rome, bro. When in Rome have sushi that's made for you unpredictably? I'm just saying. Is that what you're trying to say? These guys are They don't even have sushi in Rome. The the point is these guys are pros, right? So if they're going to make, you know, if they're going to, I'm in their domain. So I'm assuming they're not going to give me something that's going to kill me. I guess you're probably right. Actually, they're probably respect that you respect them enough to trust them with that. You're the only one that probably won't get sick. I'm like, just make me whatever you feel like. Have you ever had... I mean, have you had a lot of good sushi? Oh yeah, I'm, I love sushi. It's my, if, I, if I had to live on one food I had the rest of my life, it'd be sushi. Agreed. But, I agree. Which is also most likely if you're like on desert island, that's all you're gonna get. What's the famous that the and fish coconuts with poison? You know, like it's poisonous. Oh yeah, yeah. Poisson. Uh oh, blowfish. Blowfish, right? You know, oh, you know like, why I just said poisson? It's so funny. It's a funny story from my childhood. Can I tell it in like eight seconds? I'm in eighth grade honors English class. My friend Iris Denou, tall, beautiful blonde girl. Sitting next to me, and she, she and I both never read the shit. Didn't know what the it was like a poetry. Class. We didn't know it. We didn't read shit. And so it was really an intellectual class, like an AP class. So we were really intimidated by a teacher, and she just calling you randomly, Miss Bomb. She's mean. She'd be like, "Oh, you, you in the back. Me and Jason together. You two answer together." She was like a dictator, dude. She was like Angela Merkel or some shit, and Chancellor of Germany. And then she goes, "Iris, read the next question." And Iris just trying to read the thing. It was like an analogy, just on, on paper, and it was something like, "Like, um, an apple is to poison as." As a dagger is to a gun, whatever the fuck. And then she goes, an apple is to poisson. Cause she was trying to fucking sound smart and just didn't think the word poison would be in her honors. And, and Miss Bomb goes, poisson? What the hell's poisson? And it was a great moment for all. We were laughing. That was longer than eight seconds. That's the story though. Got it. Where were we? Sushi? Blowfish. Back to the Oscars. Full coverage. So, Jill's nipples are amazing. Uh, what about Angelina Jolie's leg move? She walks out and she just flares her leg out there like a horse for all the world to see. What did you think of that? I thought I was, I had, I had two thoughts. I thought that was one of the lamest, weirdest, unexplained moves. And then I got aroused from that point forward. Cause I'm like, damn, she's also like displaying her leg out there like it's a show pony. 
it seemed very calculated. It was really but calculated. It got, I mean, it, it got, I, her, I believe her leg got her own Twitter account. Instantly there was an Angie's leg. I'm, Thousands. I'm I mean, following more follow- it. Are you? Oh yeah. So maybe, you know, like we, it was great tweets. It was like, look at me. I'm Angie's leg. Hey everybody, look over here. If only we could get Ben Savage's leg to be a Twitter account. Let's not get carried away. I don't know. Tell one of your Maybe your hair would be great. You have great curly hair. Thank you. Um, I mean, thank you. Um, don't believe me. Is that getting ahead of myself? No, I, I thought it was great. You can try to, I, I like your Antonio Banderas. No, no, I, I, I'm going back to the Ben Savage's leg. Oh, that Twitter <laughs> account idea? I mean, that's, it's only getting ahead of yourself if you put one leg before the other and then the other one's a Twitter account. Right. Then that's very funny. Yeah. But, I guess I, I shouldn't break a leg. No, but you should have a leg up on the competition with that Twitter account. Because most people don't have accounts for their legs. <laughs> okay, back to the Oscars. So, do you think that's how she seduces Brad Pitt? She like walks in there, she's like, hello, Brad. I, Boom, and the leg just bam. She's not my open. kind of sexy. Really? I've like, never seen her in, in sex scenes. She's hot, though. She's really... It's just not my thing. Really? It's just What's too your kind much of sex with the... The lips and the right. sexy and the, it's just, <laughs> I need much more easygoing, natural, cute, all-American, cutie, patootie, hot. Just like the all-American girl next door, like a Demi Lovato or a Daniel Fischel, somebody like this. Yeah, like a Kristen Cavallari or something. Yeah, Kristen Cavallari, one of those people, right, exactly. Right. But uh, not that I, those are very good friends. Sure. Friends. Sure, totally. Um in a minute, we're gonna have. I'm, I'm gonna just kind of out of order this week. We're having kind of a. Uh, I'm gonna out of order tease things. They're all gonna come at you. We're gonna have questions from Twitter for, for you in a little bit, Ben. Okay. Coming up later. Okay. I might even have a surprise questionnaire for you if we get to it. Okay. And then, uh, but more, more. So let's wrap up the Oscars. What do you think about Billy Crystal this year? Um, he he's good. What did you, What did you think? What about? incisive commentary that was. Well, the reviews I. I, I, you know, it, I, I, it was a very old, older leaning uh, show this year. It, it was, was a little skewed towards the elderly. I love Billy Crystal. I just thought it wasn't his best. And there's some, and his jokes were kind of mean too. He was like, he was trying to be Gervais-ish in a way. Like, well, I think there was something he, he mocked Jonah Hill, I think. For his weight right in front of his face, told me he'd eat cupcakes. It was kind of inappropriate. Really inappropriate. And then he made a joke about Christopher Plummer and said, um, he's the oldest nominee ever. And we got to make sure we get him right on and off stage because he wanders. Well, the I thought thing that is was this, really, I thought that was really mean. I'll tell you this. You know, someone works their whole life to get to that point yeah. where they're even nominated and it's their big night. The, the personal attacks on the nominees, you know, starting with, Oh, we're all millionaires here. Like, like that. That joke was funny. That joke was yeah. Funny. But the self deprecating thing or right. It just takes the air out of the whole night. So well, right. it's like, it's a night of like millions of people are watching, like waiting to be dazzled and like watching this Hollywood night. It's like, Fat and it's just, <laughs> it's just awful. I thought it was it's like horrible. you're all idiots for even caring about this show. And enjoy everybody, right? We're point. all millionaires. Congratulating each other. It's like, shut up, right? Just say something funny. About- I agree. I think that that when the hosts attack people at the show, it's ex- I think it's Who not cool. It's not a roast. Ricky Gervais did it at the Golden Globes. He was just so mean that two years ago he was so mean. I thought right before people came out, and it's like part of you bravo for saying it in somebody's face, but part of you also part of me also was like. It's just, it's just mean. It's kind of easy. Well, it's someone's crowning achievement in their life, and it's like, why are you, you know, throwing water in their face or just, you know, right? It's just, and they're also at their most vulnerable. They can't defend themselves, and they're just like so excited by right. the moment. And they know they're going to be cut to them, and there's a billion people on the planet watching. You have to react so graciously, and like, I didn't like the Jonah Hill thing. Yeah, I agree. And you know who else didn't like it? Jonah Hill's stomach. 
was hurt. Ceilings was hurt. Too soon. <laughs> um, and then some people were criticizing Blake Crystal for having blackface on in the opening sketch when he played Sammy Davis Jr. But I think that's okay because he used to play that character on Saturday Night Live for years. And he also did that. Don't get me started. That whole comedy special that my dad used to. Oh, it's a great where one. He's Sammy Davis, and yeah, he does a great Sammy Davis babe. Hey, babe. He's like very. You'll never get rid of your shadow. I'm Sammy. Um, and, and and Ben and I are both in blackface right now, just out of solidarity with Billy. But you really should put your pants back on. I know, but I will as soon as you get this lettuce head out of here. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I understand the tradition of like blackface being very insulting in most contexts, but I don't think it's insulting if you're literally portraying a particular black person. Correct. In costume, of course you have to have black skin because that's what the person looks like. It's right. rude you're to make them white or you make them white. You're not mocking a stereotype. You're, you're literally imitating yeah. a person. Right. If you're doing an exact impression of somebody's voice, it's not rude either. But Correct. if you're doing a generalized stereotype, except when I do it on this show out of love, it's not cool. I understand, and I I think I agree with you. And then Chris Rock came out and upped the race ante quite a bit. With he, it's always so blistering. It's hard to believe he even hosted the show once. Because remember, he came out there. And I have a quote. He came out there and he goes, "If you're a what, he's talking about the wonder of doing animation, doing voices for voice for animated films, which I've started. I'm starting to do a little bit of, and I don't know if you've ever done. You've got a great voice. Thanks, thanks, man. I have a big one coming out in um July. That's exciting. Ice Age Four. Really? I'll be an Ice Age 4. I played John Leguizamo's friend of his. I don't want, I don't know. I'm not supposed to probably say the character, but I'll be an Ice Age 4. That's very exciting. In, in scenes with John Leguizamo. Very cool. You want to know, I was in the Jack and the Beanstalk, but really it was just, it was a British version of Jack and the Beanstalk and they had, and then they brought it to America and they had like American actors do the, I mean American like celebrities, but like. Were you the seed? I was Jack. Oh, you were Jack. But that the problem is it was animated. The, role. the animation was was drawn to match the British accent, hmm. which is more elongated. And so instead of like Ambrose, the the it would be Ambrose. <laughs> so when I had to do the, you know, you could probably do it that length in English in American accent, can't you? Ambrose, Ambrose, Ambrose before hoes, bro. Sick. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, so he was talking about uh, how it's really not hard. I found it like challenging because I was trying to act my ass off in that booth. But uh, he was saying how it's so easy. You go in there for a couple hours and they pay you a million dollars. And then his exact quote, he goes, if you're a white man, you get to play an Arabian prince. And if you're a black man, you can play a donkey or a zebra. It's actually very funny. It's very funny. And that's kind of true. Then you start thinking about it. And like black guys usually don't get to play these like major roles in these animated films unless it's like playing animals. I, I, he actually, does he make, he makes a good point. He makes a strong point. That bitch will start changing after that joke. Chris Rock will be starring as an Arabian prince who is a donkey. I don't know. Don Quixote, maybe. I saved that by adding Hote at right. the end of it. That's very smart. Thanks. Thanks a lot. And, um, just to round out our Oscar coverage, uh, obviously the artist won best picture. What do you think about that choice? Did you see the movie? I I saw it. Don't worry. I'll I'll play for you the the climax of it right now. Um, I have a clip I wanted to play. The one that a moment in the movie that really just moved me hugely. And I think it's like I don't know when it got to a play, it was really heart wrenching. And um, I think you guys, I think it'll resonate with you guys. Oh. 
Yeah, man. It's deep. Did that hit you? Did that hit you? Well, you know, I have it sitting at home on DVD, and I'm dude. Just just hearing it now, it's the climax of the movie. I love that music. Didn't it hit you hard? Well, that monologue at the end really got me. Oh man! And all of a sudden, it goes. I was a big oh. fan of The Descendants. I love that movie. I liked it, but I thought I liked it. I liked it. I just thought it was a little bit n- normal. Like I don't know. I thought the script wasn't like incredible. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I just thought Clooney was wonderful. Clooney was pretty good in it, but I think Jean de Jardin was was better. I <laughs> you didn't talk, right? Oh, so acting's all about your your voice. Yeah, clearly you missed the message of the artist Ben Savage. Um, but he was really good in it. He was really good. No, I, 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 that's what I understand. Even without talking. But I thought I wanted Clooney to win. I grew up with a speech problem, Ben. I couldn't talk for much of my life. I, I mean, couldn't I say my R's growing up. Really? Until I was, I, I splinto. It was, everything was, oh. Even on your show? No, I mean, this is when I was like seven or five. When your show started at age eight, 12? 11. You couldn't say your R's for a little bit? Instead of R, it was oh. Splinto. Yes, yeah, splinto. But then I went to, how would you say Randy's gonna go right around at the railroad tracks? Randy's gonna go wide around at the railroad tracks. That's but so isn't that a common? Cute. Isn't that a? It's not even that so much a disability as it is adorable. <laughs> it's my parents did this electroshock therapy that really really me. in days I was fine. That's you know what certain kids need electroshock therapy, like these two girls in Gainesville, Florida, who put out this racist video on YouTube this week. And it went viral like crazy, as racist videos often do. Um, there are these two white idiots who go on this rant about black kids at their school, at their high school. And they were saying horrible things in this video. And um, police officers had to go to the campus because the girls started getting death threats when the video went viral. And people wanted to kill them because they're crazy bitches. I mean, and high school principal David Shellnut um, would not go into detail on the action taken by the school, but said they did suspend them, and their comments are not welcome at that school. Shellnut told the media. And that's that story in a shellnut. I think it's nutshell. I'm sorry? I think it's, the expression is nutshell. What is? What? Never mind. Okay. And here is a sound clip of those two girls in what I found the funniest part of their racist rant. 14-minute video. How could you find a funny clip in it? I found one. Here's a funny clip, them criticizing the way black people talk. Trust me, it'll be funny. Like, what are your priorities? You, your phone and all your clothes are more, more important than your food. And how to, how to speak right. Like, why can't they fucking talk right? I, I hate, hate that. that. I hate it. We are talking normal. We talk with very eligible... Is that the right word? That I meant... I meant... <laughs> We are talking with what is the, the, word the for vernacular. It? That's the way someone talks. That is okay, amazing. Like, that is the most amazing clip ever. When she's saying how black people cannot talk well, she cannot use the right. She uses the wrong word. Like I just did. Was she searching for elegant or eloquent? I think she was. I don't even know what words you're searching for. We're using. Le, I don't know. But her language legitimate is, word. I don't know. Eligible. She's like, they're idiots who can't use, we're using eligible words, which are also. Oh, she was thinking legible. Legible. But that's, but for that's writing. also wrong. <laughs> I mean, the girl was, that was the worst word choice. She's the dumbest racist ever. 
Aren't they all? Yeah. Sorry, uh, a study came out we covered on the show a few weeks ago that the studies now prove that you actually have du- – racists have dumber brains. They they e- evolve less and therefore it can – their neural pathways are like more limited because they don't expand their mind to see things in more open-minded ways. I, I, I'd say it's more of a – from a psychological standpoint, just there's some built-up rage and anger and they take it out on people or groups that they are uncomfortable by or – for sure. Now, it's t- however, though, midgets aren't great, right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love all kinds of people, even shorter people. I love everybody, as long as they're watching me on TV. Is that right? Your show is still on the air all over. Your show is still on MTV2 and on ABC Family. It's all over the place. Does it ever stop? Will you ever not be associated with Corey Matthews? Um, I think it's part of me, and I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Somebody asked on Twitter, will you ever revisit the character? You think? Who asked that? Do you think you'll ever revisit that character? I don't know what that means. You mean like on TV? Bonnie Bon Bon C N D. Yeah, will you ever there'll be a little be a reunion show? I don't think that character will be revisited, but Ben Savage lives on and there's other We established earlier that you died in two thousand six. So Well the ghost of Ben Savage lives on. That makes sense. As ghosts often do. Yes. You're great on Twitter. You're very funny on Twitter. That's much appreciated. Yeah, man. A couple of tweets I liked of yours were very funny. You wrote, an afternoon of Lifetime movies has taught me one thing. All men with goatees will eventually kill their wives. Well, I, had, I had spent the day watching Lifetime movies um, with a friend, a girl, mm-hmm. a lady friend. Mm-hmm. And um, every movie – and I, she was re- she's really into Lifetime. Yeah. And so we watched – you know, we was a lazy Sunday. Women. Sure. And, uh, I mean, all the men seem to have some sort of creepy goatee or facial hair aspect to them. And, uh, and they're murderous dudes. And they're murderous dudes. You also like quoting on Twitter hip hop lyrics. I do. You like referencing them. What is this obsession with you and hip hop? I like the, I, I like hip hop. You I, li- I like Nicki Minaj. I like Beyonce. I like these girls. I think they're funny. They're, talented they are good singers too but you also seem to like the hip-hop vernacular like here's one you wrote um you wrote uh you're in an argument this isn't actually hip-hop lyrics it's just kind of an r&b lyric you go in an argument i'm always tempted to just start singing you must not know about me i can have another you in a minute hashtag sasha fierce but isn't that true i mean don't you kind of wish you could start doing that in an argument Who's, who's stopping you well, how do you, I didn't say I don't do it. Do I you mean, do it? Have I, you ever done that in a conversation? I'm trying to hit, I want to know the answer. Um, I, I think the tweet was I'm tempted to, right? You're tempted to, yeah. Have you ever done it? I, th- I, I don't think that would go over so well in an actual, you know, uh, disagreement with somebody or a discussion. You also tweeted my chick do stuff that your chick wish she could. Does she? What does she do? That's a song lyric. I know. But you quoted it. Must be true in your life. Is Ben? Is Fred Savage a nice guy? Fred Savage, mm-hmm. your brother. He's 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 he is a nice guy. He's he's a busy guy. He's got fa- he's got kids and a family, mm. and, and I don't have that. Why would he do that? It's a lot of it's it's hard having Ooh. kids. God, who do you think gets it worse, him for playing Kevin Arnold or you, Corey Matthews? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, that's, I think that's the, maybe the wrong way to look at it. Why? Who gets it worse? Who gets it better? Who gets recognized more? 
That's the question. Well, I, boy, are we getting, we're getting, I feel like we're in front of the paparazzi. I know. Um, I would say that maybe because, just only because my show might have been more recent Mm -hmm. and uh, still currently airing that maybe, but you know, Fred was very well known when he was younger and. Like the rest of America, did you want to fall in love with and, and or bang Winnie Cooper? Um, uh, no. Really? I mean, I was very young at the time. What's her name in real life? Pakula de Cacaniavalis? That's exactly it. What is it? It's Danica McKellar. I thought it was some crazy name. It's not a crazy name. I think you just said the state fish of Hawaii. Do you know what that is? No. Huma Huma Nuka Nuka Apua. Right, the girl from the Wonder Years. No, that's the state fish of Hawaii. What would you do? That's a good Joe Cocker. Thank you very much. What kind of music do you like? Everything, really, except like weird trance music or like I don't like death when, metal. I don't like when someone says everything but country. I like I country like country music. too. Yeah, I saw you quoted here in one of your tweets a Shania Twain song. You I que- I like Shania. I like Dolly Parton. I like I like. Um, you said that awkward moment when you catch yourself singing along to that don't impress me much. Hashtag okay, so you're Brad Pitt. Well, it's a good song, isn't it? What's your one of your favorite Shania ballads? Ah, uh, you're still the one. You're still the one I run to. You're still the one I belong to. I'm doing like a high voice because I'm. Okay, not... I'll, I'll keep it low and then we'll harmonize. Ready? I can't. Looks like we made it. Look how far we've come, my baby. They say, ah. Oh. <laughs> Let's go to another one. Stay, okay, which one do you want to do? We, we, do, I, do you like Stand By Your Man? How does it stand by your man? You don't mean that. That's Tammy Wynette. I know. I thought you wanted to stick with Shania. Stand by your man. Some play, kind of played out. Okay, let's do another one. Okay. I want you and I to sing well a, a Shania tune for America what and about the world. Dolly Parton, Jolene. No, I don't know. I need anything except Jolene, Shania as far as female. Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. Please don't take my. No? She just says Jolene over. It's not even good lyrics. Just keep saying Jolene constantly. I mean, you're making me sing a female country song. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, I, what Shania song is your favorite? I think I just told you. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. We'd probably. Michelle have, Branch. You want to sing a Michelle Branch song together? I like Michelle Branch a lot. She's the one that goes, making my way downtown. Is that the one? No. That was, that's Vanessa Carlton, isn't it? A thousand yeah. miles. Uh, is she the same person as Vanessa Branch? No. Who's Vanessa Branch? Which one's she? There is no Vanessa Branch. There's a Michelle Branch uh-huh. and Vanessa <laughs> Shouldn't they, for for the sake of fame and Twitter followers, combine each other? I think they do much better. Maybe like Ben Savage and Ben Glebe. Yeah. Together. For one, there's supposed to be one, the rest of them connected by nothing but a head of lettuce. Right. We should always audition as a group, as a, as a couple from now on. Right. You mean, right. We should date the same girls at the same time. You get two Bens for the price of one. Don't you think they'd get jealous, or we'd get jealous? What would they get jealous? Well, what's that movie with Greg Kinnear and Matt Damon? Where stuck they're... on you? I actually really like that. I movie. never saw it. I never saw it. Oh well. So that's the, that's the only problem with that. Did you ever make love to Chelsea Clinton? No. Did you ever make out with her? She rejected my advances. Oh really? I'm kidding. She was she was a senior when I was a freshman. I was she was you weren't an older girl. Is that what you're saying? Of, of course, but she was already established on campus, and she was kind of. On her way out as I was coming in, so I was a lowly freshman. Interesting. Is she married? She's married, right? 
You love her. Love her? She'd only call me back or accept my friend request. Turns out scientists did not break the speed of light, Ben Savage. Uh, what? There goes our hope for time travel. It came out a couple weeks ago at the CERN uh, laboratories in Switzerland where they have the giant Hadron Collider. They're trying to undo society. They're trying to find the God particle, trying to recreate the Big Bang. And they thought they had particles that traveled a few nanoseconds, like 60 nanoseconds, faster than the speed of light. They announced it. It shook physics to its core. All of a sudden, people started saying the theory of special relativity might not be true anymore. Turns out they had a loose screw, no joke, on their GPS that was tracking it, and it came up. That was the difference of 60 nanoseconds. Do you believe anything can ever move faster than the speed of light, or do you think that will never happen? Yes. You can't answer yes to those two options. (laughs) Um, I I don't know. I'll ask you a better question. Do you believe that science will ever uncover the mysteries of the universe, and should they be exploring to do so? No. I think there's some things that are better left untouched, and I, I don't think we have to turn over every stone to understand our existence and why we're here and what does it all mean. I think some things are supposed to be not explored and examined, and I know it helps us understand our place in the world better and our universe, but... I think it's okay for some things to just be. I'm of two minds on that because that's nice the way you said it, and I agree. But I read an article recently in Scientific American Magazine that said that there's this guy who's is he's conducting these large-scale experiments to prove that the very nature of our existence, the very fabric of, of our physical bodies, of everything that exists on the planet, that space itself is not, in fact, a thing, but it's literally digital information. That actually space is digital. I just can't be that pessimistic about... But why is that necessarily negative? Maybe we figure out it's digital, all of a sudden we are like human iPods that can be bouncing around like the guy in the iTunes commercial, that like shadowy colorful guy with the headphones. I don't know. We can start flying, we can all of a sudden transport ourselves. Did you ever see, um, is it Crimes and Misdemeanors? Or is it... Great Woody Allen film, I saw that, sure. Um... Is that the one where he's exploring right, his, his religion before he? Oh, <laughs> he's exploring his character in the movie is exploring religion okay, because yeah. he, he's worried he's going to die, right? And he thinks he has cancer. Is it Hannah and her sisters or crimes and misdemeanors? I'm. Pr- it doesn't even matter, really. Okay. The point is, he's asking. He's going through this whole religious uh, experience and the journey, trying to figure out if he wants to be a Hari Krishna or a Catholic or a Christian or a Jew or what. Mm-hmm. And he says, Dad, do you believe in the afterlife? And the father goes, how the hell do I know? I can't even figure out the toaster opener. <laughs> I don't even know how to work the toaster opener. Right? right. I just think that there's, you know, I, I just don't like to look at life as that. It's a little. That would depress you if we figured out we were digital beings. It would be very depressing. And I also just, even if we were, I mean, I, I get it. But you could say that about any experience. But you're already falling down this rabbit hole because you said earlier that you're addicted to technology and your life almost collapsed when your phone collapsed earlier. And we check our Cell phones, story came out this last week, 34 times a day on average. 35? Do that I think I must, I must check it 7,000 times a day. 34 times a day is my 11 a.m. It must not be in Hollywood or some shit. And then, but, but, but you're admitting to being that addicted to it. And then technology is becoming so ubiquitous and, and there's no escape from it. Google announced, they just announced that by the end of this year, they think they're going to release what they call display glasses. We talked about it, I think, on our first podcast, Terminator 2 style glasses you put on. And you're going to see in your field of vision information about the buildings in front of you, what friends of yours might be hanging out around there. Are you going to want those glasses? 
Where do you draw the line between not wanting technology and, and the science in your life? Because you can't have it both ways. I'm just happy to have my BlackBerry working. <laughs> I, but in terms of like us being, you know, this whole digital technological cogs in the machine and we're all just digital orbs that just do nothing and, right. You know, I think it kind of, um, it really kind of minimizes the richness and the, um, the journey of the human experience and how the, the, uh, incredible things that people experience in their lives are varied and different and amazing and wonderful and rich and, I just don't like to boil it down to being digital orbs that are eunuchs with nothing. I mean, it's interesting. I agree with you from a romantic perspective, yet if it's the truth, like you're willing to, isn't that kind of what causes so many of the ills in the world is people being willing to pull the wool over their eyes over truths and being willing What's to, the truth? to buy if these. If someone were to tell me today that I'm a digital orb, would I feel better? But no. that's kind of my point. But would you feel necessarily worse? Would it, would it change the feelings you have inside just because someone gives you new information that's truthful? I don't care. I'm just, I, I want to find, you know, things that make me laugh and watch great movies and eat great food. And maybe I am, a mindless digit. But I don't know. I mean, didn't you see adaptation? People find sure. love. You know, Nicolas Cage asked the yeah. same question you asked. You know, the emptiness or the banality of human existence. And the professor's like, what are you talking about? People find love. People die. People lose love. People, You know, I understand your point. But what's the point then? I don't know. But so what so was we, the point in that question and adaptation? Because the movie got very confusing. This kid was like, what do I do? Or where, where, how does the world turn in on itself? That's a good Nick. Sorry. I actually, I, I'm a huge Nick Cage fan. I think he's a great actor. He's also a vampire. We covered that last week. Oh yeah. I saw the pictures, right? Yeah. And who, there I were other age. ones too, right? There's a couple other famous actors that are vampires. Or... I bet them all. Ha ha. Did you ever see Guarding Tests? Let's go. Uh, I did. I think I did see Gary. He he played a a first security to the first lady, Secret Service. Yeah, he thinks it might be the clue to solve this case. Is that your Antonio Banderas? Uh, (laughs) I I don't say I imitate him. I just like his work. Nice. I like his work a lot too. His his work is like the fuzz on a page, standing up on its own, yet delicious altogether. Nicholas Cage box set. By the way, you just lost us our sponsor for next week. Digital orbs had just lined up, and you. I do a great Jack Hay. Let's hear your Jack no, I from 227. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Girl, Barry. Oh, remember that's she- good. That's actually really good. I Mine do, was just stereotypical and bullshit. You're Barry. doing those of you can't see. He has his hands up like poodle paws, and he's doing a full act out in Barry. my living room. I mean, that's kind of where my imitation ends. It's but. pretty good. With that and your fat Albert tonight, you are covering the <laughs> the African-American neighborhood show impressions for the evening. So I appreciate I love that about African American women. You do. I mean, I just love their their vibe. Have you ever dated a black girl? Um, I I I, I date everyone. <laughs> so you have dated a black girl. It's not racist to have not dated a black girl. You don't have to have dated every race to not be racist against them. I've never dated a Cambodian girl. I think there's a- I've never dated white girls. Don't like them very much. Racist. Listen. No, I, I've, 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 I, I, I officially know. I've never. Officially no. So there were some, some, there were some fun times. I'll leave it at that. But just black fans out there, black female fans of Ben Savage, you have a, you have a shot. You have a shot. Okay. Cause he's into everybody. Anytime. Okay. 
Glad that message got across, and I can tell Ben's happy that it did as well. China has called America's critique of their Syria policy super arrogant. BBC.co reports. Thunder round coming in a few minutes for those of you who are curious and Twitter answers before we wrap this thing up in the next 15 minutes or so. But Secretary of State Hillary Clinton on Friday called China and Russia's veto of their UN resolution on Syria despicable. Quote, it is just despicable. And I ask whose side are they on? They're clearly not on the side of the Syrian people. She said it was quite distressing that they're using their Security Council votes to veto this resolution while people are being murdered. Seems like a pretty obvious thing that the world community should be hopping on. Why is China and Russia defending Bashar al-Assad, the president of Syria, who's killing his own people? Why are they defending him? How did they respond to this seemingly obvious logic? They should have responded by being like, all right, good point. We shouldn't be on the side of someone blatantly murdering his own people. Let's put an end to it. Instead, how do they respond? By getting pissed. They said it was super arrogant of us. They said, and I, a foreign ministry spokesman for China said, and I quote, for their foreign ministry spokesman called them unacceptable, sorry. And an official, the, the official communist newspaper, the People's Daily in China said, the United States motive in parading as a protector of the Arab peoples is not difficult to imagine. The problem is what moral basis does it have for this patronizing and egotistical super arrogance and self-confidence? And I I feel, Ben, as though they didn't even address the point, you know. So what if we're confident? Some confidence has got nothing to do with this. You are standing by while this guy's murdering people. How come you don't stand up for it? Then they continued, however, and they said, and I quote, Even now, violence continues unabated in Iraq, and ordinary people enjoy no security. This alone is enough for us to draw a huge question mark over the sincerity and efficacy of U.S. policy. Okay, snap. They're going to throw Iraq in our face. Right. And make a decent point. Right. I think that uh, if we expected them to act how you said, and if they were willing to not support Syria, they wouldn't be China and Russia. If you expected them to act how we would act, they would be us. Yeah. It's like in a relationship, you know. That's kind of true. Like, so we have gosh, to if you'd only say this, you know, things would be so much better. Well, if they would say this, then they would be either you or, you know what I'm saying? So in your view of the world, do you think that we're all dating each other? <laughs> do you think, and I mean, Syria's a bitch. Right. Do you think it's like that? Do you think we have to just deal with countries that are seeing things other ways? You study political science. What is the better policy is to realize there are people who are going to oppress people. And let let it be and just be like you said? Or do we take action to stop it? Is preemptive action ever appropriate? Is it ever appropriate? Over the sovereignty of nations, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I mean the Holocaust was a pretty good example. But that's of- not preemptive. That's responding. Well, that's a good point. I mean, it's a good point. That was at least across many countries and many nations of, of the world. And he was trying to take over the whole globe. So that I wouldn't call that preemptive. That was that, that was on the defense. I'll say Iraq's one thing. preemptive. Let me say something optimistic about everybody. I think everyone at the end of the day wants the best for everybody. In a weird, I mean, here mm-hmm. the preemptive folks and the folks that you know wait right. or let let them handle themselves. I mean, I, you see people being tortured and murdered in their own country. What do you do? Do you just say, "Oh, it's not our business," you know? We don't want our soldiers being hurt. Okay, I understand that. Mm-hmm. But the, the people that are preemptors say, oh, we, we don't want these people being slaughtered. 
I don't know what to do. I I don't know. I I don't want you know. I wish no one would die, but yeah. But I mean, at the same time, you you know, the world. That's why I think you try to have these national organizations. Like sometimes people are so afraid of one world government. I agree. Certainly, corruption would then be hard to stop. But it's also something to be said for multinational organizations that can coalesce and convene and decide what's right and wrong objectively because certain things are objectively wrong it's like china's response is that oh they think that bashar al-assad should be allowed to see if 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 the un- if he can settle the unrest and, and stop all the, all the murders he can stop by just saying i'm tired killing people and it's done he's not doing that so isn't it a, aren't there objective truths like is there a truth justice in the american way or is it all just about self-preservation and like it's all – because that's when it gets back down to like if we're all – if there's no meaning, if we're all digital information, does that uh, – that's an interesting question. Does that make it even more or less appropriate to take action based on your own interests? It's a large question I just posed I, to you. Several questions. Yeah. I feel like I'm a, a professor of – You study with the best. <laughs> I didn't say I was awake. <laughs> um. Well, in terms of multinational bodies, I guess, I mean, the UN being the obvious example, it's mm-hmm. full of corruption. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it does some good, but I mean, it certainly doesn't stop a lot of problems and wars and conflict and, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I think at the end of the day, the good old US of A usually has to step in or <laughs> right eventually. Yeah. Not that our motives are always perfectly pure either. Certainly not. Um, at least we're not Russia, cause some crazy shit. Really? I hear there's something a little wacky that went on. Yeah, definitely. There was two Vladimir Putin stories that I think are noteworthy this week. One is that they tried to kill him. Assassination plot to kill Vladimir Putin. Um, a group of Ukrainian assassins was uncovered by this joint operation, this big high level top secret thing between Ukrainian and Russian intelligence services. And, um, in the middle of this campaign, they're soon to be voting for him to lock up his second six-year term as president after he was hiding as prime minister in the shadows. Um, and um, they found these guys out because the the genius assassins exploded shit in their apartment. I guess they were putting together their bomb or testing their materials, and they blew that shit up in their own apartment, which I'm no chemist or no terrorist, but I feel as though that's a great way to call attention to yourself. I agree. Don't you think? I'd agree. And then also, I also was perplexed by it because part of me also thought they're not going to get any of their security deposit back. (laughs) So, like, these guys are boneheaded on multiple levels. And then Putin's campaign pushes on, and he puts out an ad this week targeting first-time voters or virgin voters, if you will. An incredibly creepy ad where it has a young girl, looks like she's maybe 18 years old, visiting a fortune teller. And tells her that it's her first time. First time what? First time voting? First time having sex? And the fortune teller puts these cards down and tarot cards and puts down a one with Putin's face on it and says, I see it will be for love. And the tagline in the commercial was Putin. The first time. Only for love. Like he's trying to seduce young virgin voters and he's going to maybe fuck them if he votes for them? This is hard enough to understand in English, Ben. Right. But here it is in Russian. You know, I want everything to be 
Ведь это у меня в первый раз. Вижу и по любви будет. Scary music at the picture of Putin. Why would you do that? Oh, now you understand. Счастье тебе с ним будет, как за каменной стеной будешь. Reminds me of the climax of The Artist, Academy Award-winning film for Best Picture. So here. Um, that accent is very sexy, though. You got on a girl, it is. On a young girl, it's sexy. But as a Russian woman gets older, or Russian men, it's horrible. Sounds like Russian accent. Sounds like somebody. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Yeah. Is trying to murder you by drowning you with alcohol in your mouth. What's happening? Are you speaking a language? Or are you in trouble? Correct. Right. But boy, is it cute on a on a girl. <laughs> That, that sounded But good. But on a cab driver, not the best. Get out of my cab, you filthy American. Although I did enjoy you very much in Boy Meets World. Thank you. Very much. Do you mind signing my beads? Your beads? My beads. Would you sign my beads? Okay. Just please sign all 500 of my beads. Your face looks like it's, you're doing a quite a face I'm just here. trying to get really in front of Conjure. Really bodying this character. That's why I don't video podcast this shit. Do you or do I? Um, you ever get any threats on Twitter? And I don't ask blindly because one story I want to cover our last story before we go into Twitter answers and, and, and the thunder round is Miley Cyrus was threatened on Twitter this week. A lot of death threats came her way. And she flipped out a little bit and said, I quote, I won't tolerate someone telling me to die. I think Twitter needs to take some responsibility and make it a safe environment. That's an exact quote. Miley Cyrus, that, that was an audio clip we just played. Um, has this ever happened to you, and what are your thoughts? Um, I don't think death threats are, should necessarily be free to just linger. No, I agree. People should not receive death threats. Have you, has it ever happened to you? I got a death threat once on Twitter. Not on Twitter. I get some interesting fan mail. Really? Yeah, just met, yeah. What yeah. people are saying weird shit? Yeah. Threatening shit? <laughs> no, no, no. Very loving, tender, intimate shit. Like too loving. Like, like, like touchy loving. And they're, are they talking delusionally like this has happened? Like some of them make up stories? Yeah, like it's from gentlemen, older gentlemen. Really? Take, want to take care of me. Really? I mean, I, you know. <laughs> Come out all... and live my private boy meets world and my penis is named world. The weird thing is, it's. Come on, boy. The return address to most of these is a B Glebe and Holly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we're moving on to the next topic because certainly didn't see you sharing that with the audience. <laughs> you never called. I didn't see you sharing that with the audience. But just let me hold you, take care of you. Any letters I or your local Whole Foods? Oh, you like? There was a Cincinnati daddy who used to write to us. What does that mean? That was what he called himself. What would he say to Cincinnati Daddy? Come to Cincinnati. He wants to take care of me. And like it probably got worse. This is the most awkward way to transition into people asking you questions on Twitter. Hey-o! But I'll do that quickly. One question for you from Twitter, then we'll go into our Twitter answers, officially our, our Twitter round. But was it, what was the story that 
You said this leads into our last. That was it. Well, the story was oh, just death Miley's threats. getting threatened. I that's very. Sad. I don't think death threats should go. No, it sucks. I but I I don't so. get death. I get love threats. <laughs> nice, and Some, I like them. Somebody on Twitter wanted to know if you could create a show for yourself now. What would be your ideal genre and premise? This was asked by Stacer the Racer on Twitter. Um, I think that um I do a lot of writing for you know. You just think you do a lot of writing, or you do. I do a lot of writing for. You need time to think about it. Sitcom ideas. You do sitcom pilots and plots and um, working on creating shows. But I think I write about you know experiences that I'm personally going through. So you know when I was a teenager in early twenties, it was Boy Meets World, and you know now it's kind of writing about you know the younger single guy or the younger younger recently divorced guy. That's not me, but just you know things that you know I can relate to in my early thirties. So I think I just like to write and channel shows and ideas that kind of, you know, echo what I'm going through in my personal life. But I, I, you know, I wrote a show, um, uh, that I'm working on now that ideally would, it would, it would be about like a young guy that's recently divorced or, you know, had a, a, a starter marriage that didn't work out. Just based on your own experiences. Not based on my own experiences, that but just kind of the, the culmination of a lot of friends and. You can put together things you know and relationships that have gone sour. Correct. And put it into a TV show, basically. And so I got their pitching. Give a script ready to roll. Oh, sure. I do, I do. You want to share any details, or you want to keep it under wraps until the world knows? Well, there's a lot of shows being worked on right now. Am I being deliberately cryptic? Yeah. You think you're gonna get interested? Like, what? Which one is it gonna be? The divorcee one or the? Well, I just, I mean, in general, she. The question was, the question was what? The question was, if you could. Write a TV show. Yeah, what would your ideal genre be? And the genre would be, you know, younger, you know, late single 20, camera sitcom, multicam sitcom, multicam. You want Boy Meets World? Yeah, yeah, you like the audience. You want to go back to that world? You, you miss it. It's heroin to you. Well, I, w- I wouldn't say it's heroin, but that's you know, I'm I, saying that I, th- I, I want to create and be part of shows that are Friends and Seinfeld and Boy Meets World, and you know, not the. Boy Meets World was that level, but so you hate on shows like Modern Family, Happy I lo- Endings. I think fuck those shows. You don't want any part of it. <laughs> so what you're saying is that what you're going on the record saying? No, Benji, that's not what I'm saying. That's what I felt like you said. BJ's. What I what I'm saying is for me personally to create shows. Yeah, I'm definitely much more you know leaning towards the multicam sitcoms. Those are kind of the shows that I'm interested in creating because I think you know there's a vac you know there's um I look at you know American television as a huge pie and there's you know there's always everyone needs a different slice of pie you know some people like the crime shows and some people like the reality shows and some people like the murder mysteries and some people like the multicam you hate all shows except for multicams you're on the record it's time for the twitter round I asked everyone on Twitter this week if you could change one thing from last week, what would it be and why? A couple notable answers. Feel free and share any of your raw thoughts on them, Ben. Um, at Ekneknekneknekin on Twitter, swear to God, it's the thing with E's and K's, um, said it would, it would, it would be not getting blisters from three netball matches as I could hardly walk for two days. What's netball? No idea. What the hell's netball? No one knows what that is. Moving on. GS Wilson 71 says, not be in a relationship so you could do all the crazy shit you want to. No guilt. 
that's what you would change from last week? That's what, so apparently this person cheated on somebody last week. Didn't just want to because he said no guilt. Cheated on somebody. I I'm, I I uh, I I I don't. Uh, I never really understood the concept of cheating. Not that I'm putting myself on a pedestal, but if you're not into the person, just move on. Yeah, it's such a dick move. Like it's the ultimate violation of the "don't be a dick" pledge is to cheat on somebody and pretend as though everything is hunky dory with the person closest to you in your life. I think at that point you really have no sense of your own morality left. You have no base left. Look at us two romantics. I think that if, even though it might just be digital information floating out yeah, there. Yeah, right. There you go again. Listen, um, you know, one time my, when I was younger, I, I asked my dad about it and he said, listen, you're young, gur, <laughs> and you don't have a mortgage payment to share. You don't have kids. Don't worry about any of that stuff. If you're not into the girl or the girl's not into the guy, don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't do this. Just part ways, you know, go date someone else. That's smart. Have fun. So what was the point you think of adaptation? What were they saying about you meet people, you fall in love? What was the point that love, that life just has? That life is meaningful. I'm not, I I don't like the whole cynical, pessimistic, nihilistic outlook of what's the point of it all? We're all going to die anyway. Okay, then go die. You know, there's a lot of people that would like to live. So I disagree. I've never met one. (laughs) Scoot over, pal. Kajsa Kex, K-A-J-S-A-K-E-X on Twitter said, I would have thought twice, but alcohol won't let you do that. Ergo, I should have skipped the alcohol. Uh, alcohol. So yeah, I had a crazy weekend, I guess. It is a girl. Kajsa Kalmias. Yep. Crazy week. You ever do anything on alcohol you, you, you regretted? Sure. You have? Yeah. Well, I, listen, um, I learned this early on in college, but I, I was always kind of a happier drunk. You know what I'm saying? But there are people who I think when they don't handle their emotions and their issues in real life, for some reason it gets exacerbated when they're drunk. So when they get drunk, you know, the crying comes out and the weirdness comes out. You're a crier when you get drunk. No, I'm, I, I'm, (laughs) I think I'm healthy. Yeah. I'm happy. So what do you regret? What's something you you regretted? Oh, nothing like a part, you know, just, you know. You secretly have some dark life. You know, people used to say that that Paul Pfeiffer from the Wonder Years, Marilyn Manson. What right. if you're Marilyn Manson? What if I'm Paul Pfeiffer? What if you're Paul Pfeiffer? What if I'm Antonio Banderas? I was on an episode once of the Wonder Years as an extra in this big walkout scene, an episode where the whole school st- storms out. And I thought you chanting. looked familiar. <laughs> There's like thousands of people in the field. Yeah, we but you stood out, Ben Gleeb. Thanks, man. We all start singing, all we are saying is give peace a chance. That old famous, as a Beatles song, right? Anti-war yes. rally. Yeah. And um Paul Pfeiffer ended up being next to me during one of the scenes. And he mentioned somebody sitting next, standing next to him. His bar mitzvah was coming up. He said, said the date, it was the same date as my bar mitzvah. Then your brother came out, got mobbed by these people, literally like almost like a, a stampede of people. Literally, like almost smashing him against his table, asking for autographs, trying to hug him. It was crazy when he came and just tried to greet people in this field. And we're talking about conflict in the world, and we're talking about the nature of existence. And maybe I'm Marilyn Manson. Maybe we both are. Maybe we're the same person. Maybe you did die in 2006, and you are a ghost. Maybe we are digital information. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. But why spend your time thinking about all this, like? abstract bs that isn't going to get you anywhere wouldn't you rather go out and meet a nice lady go have some sushi (laughs) and by the way if your theory is true then i'm gonna go eat a lot of cookie dough tonight because none of it matters anyway right 
but it still doesn't change your insides. Except cookie dough makes your insides fatter. You have more ones and twos. Mm-mm-mm. And you'll be doing some more number twos as well. Paula Dean says, eat with abandon because we're just digital information. Mm. That's like a Fat Albert you're almost doing. It is. Bring that full circle. It's time for the Thunder Round. We are going to cover just two. That was a sharp ending to the Thunder Round intro music because I want you guys to get ready for the dismount. We've gotten a little long. We're just going to cover two stories in the Thunder Round and we're out. Okay? Story number one. Man gets 18 years in jail for being naked at work. You ever been naked at work, Ben? You're an actor. You ever had a scene you had to be naked? I, no. I was not on TV. Enough. Enough said. I tried. They begged me to cover up. <laughs> 57-year-old man walking around his Fort Worth workplace, nude. Cops came, showed up, gave him 18 years in prison. Why? He said he was walking around naked because he was hot and he was there on the weekend because he had to catch up on work. Then they went into his cubicle and saw he had child pornography up on the screen. That's uh, certainly one of the worst moves possible. When you're naked at work, don't coincide that with your horrible... Looking at the worst thing you can have on the internet. I agree. And then the cops say, we're taking you downtown, buddy. You gotta go. Where, where's your ID? He's like, oh, it's in my glove box. They open his glove box, find a bag of weed. This guy is the worst criminal ever. Asshole ever. Right. And he got 18 years, eight years for, um, indecent exposure, 10 years for possessing child pornography. Good. Lock this fucking guy up. Right. Well, the the naked part is okay, and I guess being naked at work, I'm fine with that. Because the weed part is not horrible. Nothing but, wrong with that part. But the child pornography is where I draw the line. That's where you gotta draw the line. But I don't get it. Like I just don't get it as like a man. You know, you just don't get it as a man. I just, it's just, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just obvious. It's just one of those things that's inherently wrong. No part of it seems appropriate. And that's maybe where your argument comes true about the universe. It's like when you have in- intrinsic feelings that things don't feel right, maybe there are intrinsic good and bad. Or I'll take it back. Maybe the flip of it, just like computers, you can't put, you know, a disk drive in the wrong way into something that's, you know, not wired for it. Maybe it also just comes down to hardwiring, but I don't know. Because if we're just all hardwired, then there's no morality. There's no internal thought. There's no. What's the point of doing right and wrong, good and bad? Is there no evil? All things to think think about, Ben. We'll have to be another podcast to figure those answers out. Um, to try to tie all of it together, speaking about the cosmos, the nature of existence, and talking about girls and J-Lo's nipples and Angelina Jolie's leg, Stephen Hawking was found out this week he visits sex clubs, swingers clubs. Cambridge University had to come out and admit this this week. Apparently, he frequents clubs in both California and in London. And um, at Stringfellow's Club in London, club owner Peter Stringfellow. You named the club after I would have named himself after his first name, Peter. It means more appropriate than Stringfellow. I so, went to school with a Stringfellow. You did? Mm-hmm. Was he, uh, did he? Did he end up going into the into porn? 
I don't know. I think in the music. Have you, <laughs> have you ever heard this about Stephen Hawking that he has like intense sexual proclivities? I mean, he's in a wheelchair. I, you know, let him do whatever he wants. Exactly. I, I think it actually came out that they said that he sometimes would even like, I heard years ago, he likes S&M and likes people like whipping him and shit. Is that true? Yeah. I heard that. I heard that for that, like from, I heard that pretty seriously. I read an article actually on it, but they said because he has almost no sensation in his body. Right. So that's the only way he can get any tinge of anything from what turns him on. So I think that's, that's fair play too. It's like, but it does bring up, it's like, where are, you know, Lions. It's the greatest mind in the history of the world, so I think, or one of them. It's a pretty good one. So that makes him happy. Let him do it. <laughs> Slap me again. Whip me. Please, one more time. Listen, Mr. Stringfellow, I'm trying to focus on the bitches. Please do not try to talk to me about physics. You own a porn club, and I'm trying to get off... Stringfellow literally said to him, this is a quote, I remember asking him if he'd like to have a conversation with me about the universe or if he'd just like to watch the girls. And the answer was, quite simply, the girls. Good choice. I think it's the only choice. Right. Of a generation. Unless you are in the lettuce aisle of Whole Foods in West Hollywood. In which case, you're singing... You're seeing Shania Twain favorites. Well, getting love letters from the Cincinnati daddy and eating sushi and talking about Syria. While listening in your ears to our full Oscar coverage of this last week on Earth. And since we butchered you so badly earlier, we will go out with the proper version of Shania Twain's You're Still the One. Ben Savage. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. At Ben Savage on Twitter. At Ben Savage on Twitter. I think this was fun. Did you have a good time? I think I may lose some friends after this, but yeah, I had a great time. Don't worry. Antonio is always here for you. (laughs) Let's go get some sushi, Antonio. Let's do it. I want to try some of this octopus you talk so kindly about. At Ben Glebe on Twitter. Hashtag last week on earth. To appear your name and information in this very fine podcast, go to bengleeb.com for show dates. Use nasal next nasal spray to clear your nasal passages. Until last week, next week, this has been Glag's Week Bonger. Looks like we made it. Look how far we've come, my baby. We might have took a long way. Still together, still going strong. You're still the one I run to, the one that I belong to. You're still the one I want for life. This has been a production of Smodcast Internet Radio.